1: Welcome back everybody to wrestling omakase it is episode number 125 and it is the final stop on our year interview journey um the final year interview episode for 2019 so this is the one we always do last it's the third year doing this and we always save uh new japan for wrestling for last and we've got a real all-star panel as far as voices of wrestling podcast hosts who cover new japan um all three of you have been on the show before, I think, but never never together. So it is very, very momentous occasion. Uh, first of all, have to give him billing because he technically owns the place. Mr. Joe Lanza, the voice of the wrestling flagship. What's up, Joe?
0: Yeah, I'm fired up. I'm ready to do some championship audio. Uh, I've been on this show many times before. I did audio with um, with Damon once before. I wiped the floor with him. <laughs> on, uh, the, on the Joe Gagney gimmick. what's um, uh, five star, match game. Five,
1: Yeah, five-star match game.
0: Absolutely wiped the floor with him on the New Japan edition of the five-star match game. So I've done, done audio with uh, with Damon, and I don't think I've ever done audio with Joel. What time is it in, like, Beijing or wherever the hell you are? What time is it over there?
2: Uh, in Shaman, it is six minutes past nine in Saturday morning. So pretty oh, good that, hour for me.
0: I just worked out for everybody then. This isn't bad at all.
1: Okay. Yeah. 8 p.m. We're 8 p.m. on the East Coast where me and Damon are and uh, 7 p.m. right where you are your central time Joe. Yeah. Yeah. So Joe Lanz is here. He just spoiled the other two guests but yes uh, from the Super J cast we have Joel and Damon here. Again both have been on the show but never together on Omikase. So uh, welcome Joel. Welcome Damon. What's up? It
3: is absolutely yeah absolutely as I as, as we'll do I'm sure just like on the Super J case, I will talk all over you <laughs> as he tries to make a point. But uh, yeah, you know, I, I do remember that uh, that match game, and I'm always terrible at trivia and remembering. And I think I bombed on.
2: I think the, David. yeah,
3: yeah, it legitimately was the, the easiest question. I totally wiped out, and then and then I panicked from there, and then <laughs> I couldn't get anything right. So uh, I stink at that trivia stuff. But uh, it was it's always fun, and of course we met uh, finally in person at G one. So Joe's a Jersey boy just like myself. So uh we And me. That's right. That's right. And
1: three out what? of four. All right. So
3: listen, we gotta find it we gotta find a little Jersey spot for uh for Joel. I think he's I think he, <laughs> I think he's a cherry hill kind of guy. I don't know about anybody else.
1: <laughs> and we got three three native New Jerseyans on the podcast here. I don't know what that means exactly but I don't terrible. know what what the where the New Jersey New Japan connection. Maybe it's the word new. Gabagool. Gabagol <laughs> Uh, But yeah, so we're all here to discuss New Japan for Wrestling 2019. Now, of course, we always like to start off omakase with anime talk. And Joe, I know you watched the entire catalog of Madoka to prepare. So I'm sure you took notes and I'm ready for you to give me your... Pula Magi, Magi madoka. i can't even get it out what's your madoka thoughts, joe go ahead
0: fucking anime talk like, <laughs> like i've said many times the last anime i've ever seen is voltron okay that's all i can talk i could talk voltron all day long that's all i got for you though
1: i've never you know? seen the voltron no yeah
0: you know, does that count as anime is that a- i don't
1: i don't know is it is voltron anime let's see well, it's a cartoon
0: Voltron. and it's from Japan. So I mean Is it from I... Japan? I didn't
1: even know that. Let's Voltron? I, I think so. I know they, they rebooted it on like fucking Netflix, which I know that's not Japanese. Uh let's see here. Joel, do you know what any of these words are? I don't even know what I don't even know what to <laughs> talk <here. laughs> Voltron nineteen uh no, I oh, okay. So it's one of these fucking shows that was animated in Japan, but it was made like for America. Like it's not it was not a Japanese show created for Japan that was then translated and brought here. It was like uh, fucking NBC hired Toei Animation to animate it for them. Yeah, like G.I. Joe, me,
0: What do you want from me? I was like,
1: <laughs> I, was like, like I don't know. G, did, did you know G.I. Joe was also a Japanese production and an all-American hero? They really well, it,
0: it, it makes yeah. sense. So it all looks the same. Voltron, G.I. Joe, and Transformers yeah. all had like the same animation. So yeah. it, it makes sense.
1: So there you go. I don't know if we should count Voltron as anime. Maybe I'll let the listeners decide. They can, they can debate that, at home. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, okay, I, I I lied. The real thing we're all here to discuss is obviously Kenny Omega and Michael Nakazawa on wrestlers working uh, room uh, <laughs> <laughs> Have you even seen that, Joe and Damon? I know Joel's seen it. Have you even seen that yet? I uh,
3: saw it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> it's like I took two Xanax for this, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's uh, I, I can't believe it. It just feels like I just took a time machine. and went back a year, and yeah, we can't get this guy. We can't stop talking about. Him. It's impossible <laughs> to get him out of our hair. He's like he's like he's just a pest girlfriend at this point. It's just constantly bad. We broke up long ago, a year ago. Stop. Leave us alone. We're happy without you. Please. I
1: don't know you want to have any other thoughts on that fucking video. It was something. It was something.
0: I mean, I remember Nick Jackson saying one time, all cocky the way Nick Jackson likes to talk, uh, never be a mark for the place you're working. Only be a mark for yourself. And I was like, okay, that's Probably decent advice for a pro wrestler, right? I mean, that's pretty reasonable advice. But it sure seems like they're heartbroken that ROH and New Japan, you know, didn't show them their proper respect and didn't want to keep using them. And it kind of runs counter to that point. I mean, it seems like they're being marks for New Japan and Ring of Honor. Um, as opposed to being marks for themselves. I mean, they're off doing their own thing. They've got tremendous executive vice president contracts and their own promotion with their own little playground. And I, I don't understand a year on why they're so heartbroken is the only word I could come up with over not only new Japan, but it seemed like ROH as well. At least yeah, the,
1: box, the box for sure. I don't think obviously I don't think gives a fuck, yeah. but the box. Yeah. That definitely didn't seem like, I think mean, the, um, Watching that video, I mean, I I set that up as a joke, but now we're seriously discussing it. Watching that video, I I mean, it it really comes down to, like, I can't – I really can't tell if they believe their own bullshit on this or if this is, like, their spin because, I mean, they kind of said this on the show where, like, Nick and Matt were kind of like, you know, we still get this a lot from fans. If you look at the mentions, pretty much, you know, you can't fucking throw a stone without running into somebody saying – When's New Japan and AEW gonna team up? So, I'm sure if, you, if we see it, I'm sure they see it, you know, in their fucking mentions every goddamn day. So they That's have. That's why they deleted it. Twitter, John. <laughs> That's probably why they deleted Twitter. It's true, but yeah, I don't know. I just assume that, like, you know, they, they have to spin it a certain way. But like, it, it doesn't really make a ton of sense why you'd still be talking about it. And like that that video. You notice he, how long Kenny talks about what he's done in AEW? It's like 30 seconds. They spend like 13 minutes on New Japan and like, you know, complaining and, you know, about how their exit went and they, you know, we didn't get medals of honor for setting up a direct competitor. And then they're like, all right, so it's time to talk about AEW. Kenny's like, yep, I have a women's division I'm doing. And then it's like, but, ba 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 but credits. I'm like, what? The, why is the AEW portion? It's like Joe just said. You have your own promotion, and you're doing like 14 minutes on New Japan, and like a minute at the very end on AEW. And it's it it almost comes off like Kenny doesn't really have much to say about AEW, which is interesting.
2: <laughs> That's about I guess the best well, word. What is it? He's he's booking the third tier of their women's division. Yeah, (laughs) there's not that much to say, is there? And I understand him being heartbroken about the New Japan thing because he was a big deal there and he obviously felt he was part of the fabric and you know he's really into living in Japan and all that. But the Bucks, for them to be thinking that they were on the same level, they were I don't think they were ever over in any meaningful way in New Japan. So for them to be expecting to get flowers thrown at them for their exit was very weird. I mean, look, everybody really missed him at
1: the end of the World Tag League this year. to just show up and be like, by the way, we weren't in this, but uh, tag title shot the dough. How about it? I mean, I'm sure everybody was broken up about it.
0: It's almost like they expected New Japan and maybe even Ring of Honor to just be dying to do business with AEW, which from a fan perspective, it'd be nice if they could all get along and do business with each other. I don't think any of us would be all that opposed to it. And it opens up some interesting possibilities, but you could also understand why new Japan would be like, I don't know, go kick rocks, go do your thing and we'll do our thing. And we're not all, I could understand why they wouldn't be interested in that, especially knowing that they were going to roll out these, you know, new Japan of America plans and run more shows here. It's just, man, it just really came off whiny and, and and as if they were heartbroken and the tone was just weird. It was just weird. Um, you'd think that they'd be happy and thrilled with you know getting everything they ultimately wanted out of this, and um, I don't know. It was it was a bizarre you know twenty eight minutes or whatever it was.
3: Right.
1: This is I think not it was only like, like fifteen.
3: Yeah. This is not <laughs> like it's 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 two guys or three guys that are sitting at home you know unemployed you know just kind of you know waiting for a contract to expire. They have. What every pro wrestler would dream about at this point. And if you're starting a new promotion and you're trying to, to launch something that already has a buzz and is and is popular and and people are excited for, I would think that you would be 100% focused on that. And it feels like that there is at least a portion of his brain, and uh, all three of them, that are just focused on – and it doesn't even feel like New Japan. Like I, I, I find it hard to believe that this would be something that, oh, I, I missed – fucking Dantaku, right? They care about now because they're sitting at home like, ah, oh, the dome's happening and we're not there. That big payday. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, well, all right, well, yeah, you're right because we haven't used you all year because there hasn't been a need to because, as Joe said, we're going this way, you're going that way, and we'll, we'll meet up sometime.
1: Yeah, and I, Look, I read
2: and like, like a, that. Uh, the thing okay, that, that New Japan really needs uh, the Bucks uh, and the Elite for is the Western expansion. And now they can't work in the States because they're AEW contracts. So what use are they to New Japan at this point? Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, what I was going to say was I read like a Sports Illustrated interview, too, where like Kenny did a couple of weeks ago, where he seemed to be really down on the idea of not being in the G1, too. Like he said, he said something like, um, you know, I kind of thought I'd always be there. And I feel like when we talk about them having it all, it does feel like they really thought when they made this AEW thing, and when they started it. That it would include working New Japan, you know, it would include working the G1, it would include working Wrestle Kingdom. And it does feel like they have something missing, even though they, quote unquote, you know, should have it all. They just, they really expected this and they really had, you know, that expectation. And they do feel, I guess, a little bit lost without it. Right. But But here's the thing the common
3: denominator is them, right? So again, New Japan is willing to work with an overpriced Chris Jericho, he's willing to work with Moxley. That's, they're the common denominator. So maybe, maybe, just thinking outside the fucking box here, maybe they might be difficult to work with. Maybe <laughs> they might be the issue in all this, where we really uh, don't she... really feel like dealing with your dramatic bullshit,
1: to be quite honest with you. They don't have are gonna anything else. <laughs> they're going to post about you on Reddit now. Okay,
3: <laughs> well, I mean, that's the truth, though, but that's the common denominator. I, 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 don't, I don't give a shit. It's yeah. common denominator, and the facts are: is that New Japan
0: has proactively not wanted to work with them, and, and sorry. Yeah, yeah, I mean, in Kenny's case, he probably sees it as a real kick in the dick because, like you said, they're willing to work with Jericho, they're willing to work with Moxley, and from what I understand, Moxley's schedule with New Japan is only going to grow next year, and and Kenny specifically put it in his contract to allow himself to work New Japan, right. And they just like they don't want them, and as for the Bucks, I'm sure they have no interest in the only interest they would have in the Bucks is working American shows and don't and don't forget AEW in New Japan did have that meeting about eleven or twelve months ago, and I had somebody in the room in that meeting texting me during the meeting, uh, not letting me know everything what was going on, but at least the gist of it. So they did all sit down at the table, and I'm sure New Japan would have been willing to do business with AEW if they could use those guys on their American shows. But once Tony Khan said, no, none of my guys are working American shows, what use are any of those people to New Japan? Right? They're, you, know, yeah. you could argue Kenny may be in Japan, but they're doing fine without him. The Bucks then become utterly useless. As, as does Adam Page, as does Cody. If you can't use those guys in America, then then there's no point doing business with them at all. So let's not forget that they were in a room together and did try to hammer something out. Just nothing came of it. And, and don't get me wrong. I don't blame Tony Khan at all for saying, I don't want my guys working for anybody else in America. That's totally reasonable from his perspective. Um, but, you know, that's the way it shook out. And, um, you know, I'm, yeah, and, and like Damon said, there's no question that Kenny Omega f- – Probably feels a little extra insulted that Chris Jericho and Moxley are on this Wrestle Kingdom card in a couple of days and he's not.
1: Yeah. So that's that. I guess we can transition easily, though, because obviously one of the biggest stories of New Japan's 2019 was losing the Elite uh, as of 1 4, uh, no longer having them there. And, you know, I will say, you know, I'm sure this will qualify as a hot take to some people. I think it's a huge factor for why I enjoy 2019 a lot more than 2018. And I would love to hear your guys thoughts on that. First of all 2019 versus 2018, but also the elite part of it. And my case here is going to be you know, I, I don't miss I, I don't think I don't think anybody who's a big New Japan fan really misses the bucks in New Japan. I mean, they were fine to have on bigger shows or the or US shows, but they the tag division in New Japan is not important. Not a big deal. Uh, Adam Page, I, that to me is a, a like a low-key bigger loss than uh, you might think of at first. I think he really was starting to break out in the G1, but ultimately, mid-card guy, not a big deal. Uh, Cody, addition by subtraction, I mean, it, it's working out great for him in America, and that's what he was meant to do. He's, he's, he's an American pro wrestler. He's a million times better in AEW than he ever was in New Japan. I mean, he's just not at all, you know, just not having him in, in New Japan aren't the cards is great. So the guy you're talking about, obviously losing, is Kenny, and that's the one I think, you know, you can debate, you know, and I'm sure it is a loss, even if you don't, uh, even if you didn't love his matches, even if you were a little more down on them. I mean, that's the only one of the four of the of the group that you can really feel as a loss. But on the other hand, to me, losing the elite has made New Japan more narratively coherent. It's made it feel less like there's this other fucking group just doing their own thing you have to watch being the elite to figure out what the hell's going on in the storylines all that is gone so it feels much more narratively coherent without the elite than it did with the elite and i think that's a big reason why i prefer this year to 2018. Uh, joe why don't we start with you what do you think about any of that 2019 versus 2018 and what losing the elite has meant to new japan's year
0: yeah, I mean, I completely agree with how you broke down each of the talents. Kenny's really the only one that matters, and really the only one where you can make an argument that he'd make any sort of difference if he was still around. Look, he's still a major star in Japan, and um, you know whether you like his work or not, I think everyone would, uh, of a reasonable mind, would concede that. And I'm sure that um, you know if he had made the decision to stay with new Japan instead of uh, leaving for AEW, they would have kept him. I mean, there's no question about that. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. All the others, you know, essentially just roster filler extra guys to have around. Um, and as far as 2018 versus 2019, I don't know whether it's because the elite weren't around or, or whatnot, but all these years tend to blend together for me. But I think what 2019 had the 2018 did not, was sort of the elevation and the emergence of Willow, Spray, and Shingo. Now, would they have had room to grow the way they did if the elite were still around, clogging up you know, the upper mid cards? I don't know. Um, but I think, to me, th- that's the big difference between 19 and 18.
1: What do you think, Damon?
3: Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat there when, when it comes to guys getting a little bit more shine with uh, the elite moving on to, quote, greener pastures. Um, Shingo, even a guy like like Lance Archer or Chi or uh, you know, countless others that might have been still stuck in that middle of the pack, and have been elevated, and a new focus is is put on them. Look, New Japan, you can't hand wave the fact that a they develop talent better than just about anybody else, and b they do a great job of keeping people on a backburn and just keeping them warm enough so that when situations like this arise at the beginning of the year, it seemed like we were going through this every year for the past couple of years, they're able to elevate guys rather quickly and put them in a prominent role. Um, And look at Jay White. I mean, to me, look, I cannot discount the match quality um, and the absolute pro wrestling value that Kenny Omega has in ring. He he put on some of the greatest matches that I've ever seen, whether it be live or on tape. I can't dispute that. But I love the fact in 2019 that where Jay White is. I love in 2019 where where Ibushi is. I love in 2019 where Shingo is. I love where I, I like where these guys are positioned a lot more than, say, this time last year when, you know, we were kind of in this bit of a limbo flux stage. Um, kind of rooting for Tanahashi, who arguably is, is well past his prime, um, to take a title off of Kenny. Uh,
2: Joel, do you have anything to add? Yeah, I personally, just towards the back half of 2018, I was getting really sick of having to talk about all the drama and all the bullshit. We get questions every week, and whatever we say, people get annoyed, to the point at which we had Andrew Rich make a stinger that the Kenny's done a thing stinger specifically to deal with that. So I'm glad that's gone. Uh, My biggest complaints with 2018 were absentee champions uh, and also to a lesser extent, the lack of a payoff to the bullet club versus elite feud. But it was mainly the former because we had Omega with the IWGP title, who wasn't appearing on a lot of tours. Uh, We had Chris Jericho with the intercontinental title and Cody with the US title. that all go missing for prolonged periods of time. Uh, We don't have that anymore. The people who are holding those belts are there more often than not, and they're able to defend those titles regularly and build up feuds with them. So I think that's been a big improvement. And like David said, I think Kenny being gone has given Jay White a huge opportunity as well. He's knocked it out of the park. And that transition is, I think, what made Wrestle Kingdom 13 such an interesting show because it really felt like the finale of a TV season.
1: Would, it, would anyone like unequivocally take 2018 over 2019? Would anyone be like, yeah, 2018 was way better? Because I don't think it's close. I think 2019 killed it. But if anyone argues otherwise, I'd love to hear it.
3: I don't know if it was a blow away, but I'm, I mean, I don't think... there's. I mean, I can't speak for everybody, but I'll speak for me. How about that? Uh, my 19... I, I I enjoyed 19 as a New Japan pro wrestling fan. Head and shoulders above 18.
0: Joe? Um, like I said, they tend to blend together for me, but... I it's like I said, in my first answer, I think the willow spray and Shingo stuff is what really sets 2019 apart. When I think back at 2019, new Japan, that'll be the first thing I think of, um, how those two guys emerged and had such incredible years, not just for new Japan, but on a wider scale on a worldwide basis, they may have been the two best wrestlers in the world. So I think Okada had a better year in 18. Um, and you know, that's your champion. So there's something to be said for that. Uh, But yeah, yeah, I'd say I I would take 19 over 18. Yeah.
1: Um, And Joel, I don't know. I think you kind of already said you were great, but in case you want to add anything else.
2: No, I just think 2019 has been more consistent, consistently good uh, from January to December because 2018, I thought the first half of it was terrific and it peaked with Dominion, but then it really tailed off towards the last half of the year. Yeah, um, the one thing I, my hot
1: take that I, people might not expect from me is I actually missed Kenny a little more than I thought he w- than I thought I would. And where I where I realized I missed him was even if I don't, even if I didn't root for him, and even if a lot of his matches really got you know excessive for me and stuff, especially in the twenty eighteen G one, where I thought probably that the excessiveness and all that peaked. I really missed having him ha- as like an opponent for people i really enjoy so i missed having him as as like uh as a naito opponent you know i i love all their matches in the g1 and i missed having him as like an as an ishii opponent um not as much an okada opponent because i've never been at, as into of those matches as most people but even still i uh, at this point i would take it over uh fucking kenny versus kip sabian or whatever the fuck. so i did miss kenny more than i thought i would in new japan but I do think without not having him there, you know, definitely did open up that opportunity for all these other people to emerge. Like we all said. So um, the only, the other big topic I think for this year, and again, I'd love to see if someone disagreed. I think when I'm going to think back at 2019, I'm going to think of it as the year of the tournament where to me, you know, new Japan's always been a very tournament heavy promotion and they always have really good tournaments. But I think, the quality difference between the tournaments and the non-tournaments this year was maybe the biggest it's ever been. Not because the non-tournament stuff was bad. I mean, a lot of it was was still very good. But I thought they had the best New Japan Cup ever, probably the best best Super Junior ever, and a strong argument for the best G1 ever all in the same year. So I think this year, when I think about 2019, I'm going to remember how good those three tournaments were. Uh, I don't know, Joel, do you have anything to add about the tournaments or... The quality of them,
2: yeah. I want to give some love to the uh, Super Junior Tag League as well because I thought that mm. was very, very good. Really underrated. There weren't any bad matches in that.
1: True. I oh, thought I didn't realize you were you were done already, david
3: Go ahead. Do you have anything yeah, to say about the Yeah, I mean, Joel kind of stole the thunder there, but that Junior Tag, I I really enjoyed that a ton. And even to a lesser degree, um and I know that there was issues with getting shows up in a timely fashion, but, you know, Super J-Cup wasn't that bad either. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I mean, everybody can kind of poo-poo World Tag League, and sometimes that can be a, a bit of a struggle to get through in most years. I can't say this year was remarkably different, but, you know, they had some highlights in there that, you know, I'll remember, you know, night that night one was not a bad show at all. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean – between the New Japan Cup, um, G One, which is always spectacular, um, the, the, uh, the the best of the Super Juniors, Junior Tag League, yeah, I mean that that mean and and, if, and look, it's hard because one seems to blend into another, into another, into another, into another, and if you look at our year-end awards, they're almost you know. The top matches are G1s and best of the super juniors and, you know, Night seven. And, you know, when you have, when you have that kind of talent and that kind of uh, run with with your tournaments, it's it's hard to kind of differentiate between, oh, you know, good you know tournament, bad tournament and, and non-tournament. It all kind of blends together. But yeah, I mean, 2019, you could probably say safely that it's the year of the tournament.
0: Every tournament was better than the one the year before. All of them, across the board, and you can make a uh, you can make a, a a reasonable argument that three of the, that four of the tournaments were the best version of those tournaments of all time. Yeah. I mean, Super Junior Tag League doesn't have a deep and storied history, but I mean, you know, it, it was it was the best Super Junior tournament, whether the league or the single elimination knockout version that preceded it. This was the best one ever. Um, and 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 you know you can make a reasonable argument. I think it was the best Super Juniors ever. I'm firm in that opinion. G1, I mean, those are always so great that they're starting to blend together for me in terms of I have a hard time parsing them out. But if you wanted to tell me this was the best G1 ever, I wouldn't argue with you. And um, I think someone had mentioned that the uh, the uh, New Japan Cup. I, yeah. I'd say this was the best New Japan Cup ever.
1: I would. Yeah. I, I don't think I don't think it's close actually. I so was, I mean, yeah, she so got four tournaments. Chairs.
0: That's four of them that you could argue are the best ever. So yeah. I mean, that's that's actually remarkable, and I don't think enough people are talking about that.
3: Yeah. And what's that? Six months out of a calendar year. You know, yeah. you, know, you, know you add them all up together, you squish them all together. I mean, that's that's a huge portion of your year is is built around those tournaments. Um, and arguably, you're getting the best pro wrestling that you can find for your money. During that time span, so yeah, it's kind of hard to argue against it.
1: Uh, I mean, it it does leave obviously, you know, that the problem of having that setting that bar this year is obviously you have a very high bar to clear in 2020. But I think they're going to try because I mean, if you look at the the schedule that just came out for the New Japan Cup, they actually added a date, <laughs> you know. So any any thought that they're going to uh, go back to 16 man? You know that's out the window. Clearly, I mean it's going to be 32 again. So
3: yeah, but you know uh, what? I remember saying that in 2014, John. You know, and in yeah. 2015, like how are they going to be? These guys are killing themselves. You know how how could they possibly top that in a 2015 come and holy shit, they did it again. You know, and it's been every year they've raised that bar. I, I listen. I'm not betting against them because every year I'm like, well, they can't possibly be better than that. No, nope, no. Nope, guess what? They just they did. <laughs> you know, so it's like. I, I, how can you bet against them at this point?
1: Yeah, it's a fair point. So let's start chronologically. Um, back at Wrestle Kingdom thirteen, this would be the one thing, I, and I think we, based on what um, I've read from other people and stuff, I, th- you know, it, it's hard to say because, like, what you're not going to say it's a bad show. It was still a great show, but for me, it was below, um, you know, the last few Wrestle Kingdoms at least. And I think. You know, th- there was a feeling, you know, watching it that it was a little bit rushed, which, you know, you look at, like, the the shorter match times up until the, the double main, um, which I've heard was, like, a big complaint among even, like, the Japanese fans leaving the building. I've heard that they just thought the show was very – was too short. Um, you know, you still can't really complain about the the major matches. Um, you know, I thought Tanahashi Omega was, you know, really good, and Naito and Jericho was – you know, on my match of the year list, which was kind of unexpected, honestly. And that wasn't a match I was that excited for. But overall, I it did feel a little bit less. And that Ishimori Kushida match just being kind of nothing, I think, hurt it a little bit as far as like a fourth from the top match and, you know, Cody stink up the mid card and stuff. So, you know, really good show for anything else. But to me, at least, I didn't I didn't think Russell Kind of 13 was at the level of the last few. Uh, I don't know, Joe, what did you think?
0: I thought it was a great show. I didn't think well. I mean, aside from uh, Juice and Cody, which really just didn't work, and and Ishimori Kushida was disappointing. I didn't think it was a bad match, though. I just thought it didn't. Uh, you know, it just it's one of those matches that just doesn't peak where you think it's going to peak. You know, that's going to happen. Um, everything else, I thought, you know, met expectations or far exceeded them. As far as the rest of the show, I, I and what what might separate me and you is. I absolutely loved the Willow Spray-Kota Ibushi match and the finish of that match. I, that, to me, is one of the most memorable – the finish of that match is one of the most memorable moments of the year in all of wrestling, not just New Japan. And, and it's, it's one of the moments I'll think about uh, forever when I think about 2019. And uh, just because the match was so good, the finish was so good, and it represented so much for the elevation and, and, the, and the push that was to come for Willow Spray. So I thought the opener um, you know, was phenomenal. And the main event, I thought, uh, just told a great bell-to-bell story with Tanahashi and Omega. I thought that match was phenomenal. Naito Jericho was fucking awesome, and I think exceeded just about everyone's expectations. I thought it was going to be good, but it was it was great. And, um, you know, Jay White Okada with sort of the flash finish, uh, which I thought was some uh, brilliant booking and brilliant storytelling, and, and I love the fuck out of that match, so... You know, and and, and Saber Ishii is a match that, you know, it's one of those every year there's a match at Wrestle Kingdom that gets lost in the shuffle in the discussion because it's like the sixth best match or something. But it's still an awesome match. And and that's what that one was to me. And, you know, the tag stuff is what it is. You know, I just I'm so sick of the three ways. But, you know, both of them, at least I I go into those matches grumpy. And the way I look at it is if it's a match I don't want to see and I'm already grumpy and then it entertains me, then that's a win and they both entertained me. So, uh, yeah, I thought the show was awesome, but I may be higher on some of those moments than you were, which is sort of the difference between you thinking, as eh, a pretty good show, and me thinking, wow, that's a show of the year contender.
2: Uh, Joe you want to jump in? Yeah, I agree. I thought it was a fantastic show. I think Wrestle Kingdom 12 was more consistently good. Like There weren't any bad matches on Wrestle Kingdom 12. From the, the first match to the last match, Wrestle Kingdom 12 was very very good there weren't any kind of filler matches but for wrestle kingdom 13 i think maybe people don't think of it as fondly because there was that junior three-way tag which only went what about six and a half minutes the uh, heavyweight three-way tag was only about 10 minutes juice cody match was bad so i think those things may be uh, sort of clouding people's opinion because they, they weren't great those matches but i thought for the top three matches, it peaked really, really high because that the, the J.Y. Okada match, Naito Jericho, Tanahashi Omega, all three of those matches were in my top ten matches of the year. I love those. I thought, uh, as Joe said, that J.Y. Okada match made Jay White into a star. Naito Jericho was better than it had any right to be, and Tanahashi Omega, I absolutely adored that match for a number of reasons. And again, like I said before, it just felt all, all of these match finishes felt very conclusive particularly the ones involving the guys from the elite it was like no th- this guy's leaving so he's going to conclusively uh, take the defeat and make the other guy look good Like so for the example with the Ishimori Kashida match that wasn't a close match it wasn't like there was an exciting closing stretch where they go back and forth uh, reversing each other's finishes it was just like no Ishimori is a strong guy here he's won it very comfortably so I think there was that theme to Wrestle Kingdom 13 as well yeah uh, Damon,
3: uh, you know, having a live perspective, um, uh, the one thing that will all we, I'll take to my grave is the fact that everyone in that building hated Jay white, right? For all the right pro wrestling reasons, right? Hated Jay white, hated the fact that. Uh, Okada's, you know, best bud and business business manager turned on him with the weakest chair shot in the history of pro wrestling. (laughs) Uh, uh, And that match took you on a pro wrestling emotional roller coaster where you went in and the lights went down and Okada's music hit. And he came out like the Okada of old after spending a year in his little, in his funk, in his depression with his fucking balloons and all that nonsense and then all of a sudden, boom, he's back, right? And the music hits and the money's falling from the sky and everybody is on, it just, you know, the, that, and I'll put in air quotes, that reserved Japanese crowd was not reserved. They were losing their minds. And then off with the pants and on with the shorts and maybe a highlight of the year, right? Something as small and subtle as that. And then the match itself and Okada's, you know, somewhat dominant, and then boom, one mistake, and then good night. And that was it. And one of the best things that New Japan does is you don't always go home happy. And I love that. And I just sat in that chair at the Tokyo Dome with a grin on my face from ear to ear because I loved every second of that match because it took me on that pro wrestling ride that. You know, you, you do it when you're a kid. You do it when you were a teenager. You do it when you're an adult. And that's why we watched this stuff, right? And, it, and it, it, it hit the mark at every single point. And it had me hook, line, and sinker. And I was smiling ear to ear at the end of that match. So that match stood out to me uh, as one of the great moments of WrestleKing.
1: Uh, now, of course, since you and Joel were in the building, you did get to see the entire Kenny's Quest video. So oh. you had that going for you. Look, so you I, had every, every, I, moment.
3: I had no idea what the fuck it was. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting right next to the, the guy who, who cosplays his red shoes. He was outside taking pictures with everybody. And I walked down to my seat and it's him. And we're like, hey, we hug, we buy each other's beers. We're great. Anyway, the night goes on. This video comes on, and it's like a 20-minute, you know, uh, <laughs> short story with video games and eight-bit bullshit. And I don't know what the hell's going on. And I'm thinking, is this ever guy ever gonna come after the fucking ring? I got you know, I I got a train to catch here. And we're just staring at each other like I, and we're shoulder shrugging and like, I don't know what the hell's going on and it finally comes out. So don't you're talking to the wrong dude. I don't know what the fuck that was. I still don't have to say.
1: Uh you put the entire thing on the Beanie League channel. People don't know what it is, but yeah. Uh the fucking thing is something. Um but yeah, so the new the Wrestle Kingdom show, I'm glad you guys liked it more than I did. I, I mean I still thought it was a really good show. It's just I mean I just think the last few Wrestle Kingdoms were a little better. So, um, I mean,
0: I had I had five matches, four and a quarter or better. I mean, that's an all time show. It's it, it, it's like Damon was saying before. This company just raises the bar so often that it's like, you know, I, 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 we're having this conversation. I never thought of this as an all time show until just now when I'm really mm-hmm. looking at my notes and hearing people talk about it. And it's like that's a fucking all time show. The problem is. All of these Wrestle Kingdoms are all time shows. And then we're judging them against each other. And that's yeah. where you kind of get in trouble. You know what I mean? It's like there wasn't, you know, another wrestling company this year that that probably put together a top to bottom show as good as this. But, you know, some people are like, ah, eh, this is an okay Wrestle Kingdom. When in reality it's <laughs> it's one of the better shows that we've seen in years. But
3: it's right. just like bar- saying had an okay Porsche you know what I mean. Is that you got an okay Porsche for Christmas?
0: <laughs> yeah, you got the C-class BMW, but you still have a BMW. Right. You know, it, it, right. it's that. And 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 Joel made a great point about Kushida Ishimori, in that Kushida was leaving, and that match was was booked for 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 Ishimori to be dominant. I mean, he just ate him up. In a good way, not in, in you know, a Hideki Suzuki way where he just goes into business for himself. But he ate him up because that's the way the match was laid out and designed. So it's like sometimes a match isn't designed to be a great match. You know what I mean? And it, I know it was like disappointing in the moment for a lot of people. But that match was booked the right way because the guy that was sticking around who was going to be the junior champion for the first half of the year or whatever it was until he lost to I guess he lost to Dragon Lee, um, I think. Um, you know, yeah, they, they, they wanted to show, okay, Kushida's leaving. He's been the junior ace for, for a half a decade. We want this guy to be dominance over that junior ace so that we can move forward with this dude as the champion and, and his victory will mean that much more if he just dominates this guy. So there's that aspect of matches too, that sometimes you have to look at.
1: What what I will never forget about Kushida's exit from the company is later in the month of January when he has that made event against Tanahashi, which is a great match, by the way, if you if you happen to miss that on the Road to New Beginning Corkin. Um and then Jay White, because he was feeding with Tanahashi for New Beginning Osaka for the title, like comes out and lays out Tanahashi after the match and kind of ruins that moment. And as they're leaving, Jay White turns and goes, "Oh, I f- almost forgot. Bye, Kushida." And then Gato just turns back and goes, "Who cares? Who cares?" <laughs> She's screaming it. It's my perfect. girlfriend to this day, my girlfriend still randomly quotes that because she just found that so fucking funny. Gato just screaming, "Who cares?" The top of his lungs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as, as they leave Cork and all. So I, I'll never forget that moment. Honestly, fantastic.
0: Well. It's just fantastic stuff.
1: Yeah. Um, so anyway, the new beginning tour—that's a good transition again. Um, I love this tour. I thought it was one of my favorite new beginnings in a while. And the big thing for me is—I thought the Suzuki Goon versus Lij stuff um, was just really good, especially the the build up. Um, I know we did these top ten lists um, for the new ebook, the top ten match of the year list, and Case Low, uh, the perennial young boy actually had the elimination match between Suzuki-Gun and LIJ as his 10th place match. And I can't kill him for that because that match was awesome. Uh, You know, those elimination matches are always like a certain baseline level of good, but this one was like really good. So all the build-up stuff was great. Uh, The actual naito Chi match I know is divisive. I'm firmly on the side of, I thought it was like a fucking four and a half star match. An awesome, awesome match. I get why some people can't separate it from the pre-match attack which did go on forever and the angle before Naito came back out did go on forever so I totally get why that dragged it down for some people but I thought the once the bell rings and once Naito's back in the ring I thought every all of that was awesome just you know I rewatched that the other day just to prepare to make sure it holds up and it really holds up at least for me I mean Naito giving that pile driver off the apron and Taiji just tossing him on the back of his head and Nitro's selling like he's dead just such an awesome match and really the beginning of tai chi's coming out party that would happen over the course of the year so damon do you have any memories from the new beginning tour
3: well unfortunately some some of those memories might not be as great um <laughs> with with I, I remember the new beginning usa tour with the visa oh, issues. Yeah. <laughs> that that uh, was that was a down, headache down, yeah down. yeah I mean, and they were, you know, look, they they from from everything that we were told, they they got, they had their ducks in a row. It was just uh, the timing was was poor, and uh, they got caught behind it. And again, it wasn't just them. I mean, there were there were bands that couldn't make it into the country, and 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 other entertainment acts are having their issues as well.
0: Um, Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but demon, but demon now. Tracer X and Harlem Bravado are in the New Japan record books forever, and (laughs) that's true. We never would have had that otherwise.
3: That's a good point. That is a good point, and I'm sure that they're going to put that on their resume. Uh, Can you explain to me how
0: they? Can you explain to me how they snuck the great Okarn into the country and (laughs) couldn't get anybody else over here? Which you know, we
1: have the visa already, I think. Which is funny, but they're like, you got to get Great Okarn a visa." Like somebody had the foresight to get Great Okarn a visa. So yeah, not so. and
0: not only, and not only did he work that little swing, he then disappeared for like eight months off the planet, and everybody <laughs> thought he retired. I know. So it, it was just totally everything about that was just completely bizarre. But uh, anyway, was, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, it, it, it was
3: bizarre, and you know when you're trying to get answers of, of uh, as to the whys, and this and and then, then look, there are still people that travel for these shows. Um and these type of shows, knowing full well that you know they're not going to get you know G one at the Grady Cole Center in North Carolina, um, but they travel and 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 you know some people panicked and 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 rightfully so in the sense that nobody's showing up. These shows were. You know your Trent Berettas and your you know uh, Chucky e. T's and 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 uh, you know the, that of the world. Excuse me, sir. Put
0: put some respect on lifeblood. Okay. My bad. I, I, <laughs> not, they just
1: scrambled right. just to get just to get uh, the best friends. I mean, they did them. They did him a favor, basically. Yeah, because yeah. they're already on their way out. So uh,
3: you know, but you know, this was the beginning of Tai Chi, and and I was I was on the camp. Anti Tai Chi for the longest time. You know, you would look at the, the stuff in Noah, and you would look at the stuff early in in this new Japan run, and you would—I mean, they—he was an instant fast forward. He was, yeah, you know, he was just somebody that you just, ugh, this guy. And then now, again, I've, I've and I've said it a thousand times on the JCAS, but it's been this. This roster is all about guys getting tapped on the shoulder. And when it's time for them to shine, and when it's time for them to perform, they do it, and they can. Um, and 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 I think this is a perfect example. And this was one of those matches where it was like, okay, if you were in that camp of anti Taiji, and and you know hand waving them and fast forwarding, this was maybe the beginning. At least it was for me, anyway. Of I right, maybe I'll give this guy a second chance. Maybe I'll give this guy uh you know if it's if it's a matchup that on paper sounds a little bit sexy you know it might not be an instant skip so yeah you're right john this was the beginning of a lot of people that were were anti tai chi maybe giving him a second look
1: and joel do you have anything to add about new any of the new beginning stuff
2: yeah i remember being in kraken hall for new year dash and no sign of the Elite on that card, which was a surprise because, as we talked about before, you know, maybe they were expecting some sort of send-off for that. But uh, there was a really strongly built Suzuki versus LIJ feud going on. And I remember at the end of that, Taichi standing over Naito, holding up the IC title. And we had Suzuki and Zack tying up Evil and Sonata in their submission moves. And then we had something going on with Shingo Bushi and Kanemaru Desperado. And I thought, this is really exciting. This is what I want from New Japan. And I was really looking forward to this the, uh, this uh new beginning, these new beginning shows. And uh we had some really good singles matches. Suzuki against Sonada was good, Evil against Zach was really good. And on night two, the, the Naito Taichi match, I thought that was the Tai Chi dilemma in a nutshell, because the first 10-50 minutes annoyed a lot of people because they, you know, the Izuka chair shot angle people were thinking ah this is just bullshit this is boring this is taking too long but then when the match actually started it was really exciting so that was sort of the the Tai Chi problem in a nutshell for me and i I feel that from that point onwards he he kind of adapted his style to try and make it more of the latter than the former and one other thing from this i think uh in retrospect, I kind of wish that Suzuki and Zach had won the tag team titles from Evil and Sinada at this point because I think that would have really freshened things up in that division. Uh, but they did. not and The division was pretty stealth for most of the year. Uh, and then, of course, the new beginning in Osaka, two matches stood out there. Ishimori uh, defending against Toguchi where they were doing the, the sailor dancing thing, which I thought was a lot of fun. And It was also a really good match. And then uh, Jay White winning his first IWGP title against Tanahashi in a match that I don't think was their best match. I thought the match that they had at the best of the Super Juniors final was much better than this one. This wasn't a bad match, but I think some people were underwhelmed by it. But I think it's notable and worth talking about just for the fact that it was Jay White winning his first title. in What I, I don't really feel was that much of a shock. I feel that from New Year Dash, from the closing angle of that, which was basically Jay White laying everybody out and standing proud of in the middle of the ring, being like, you know, this is my place now. And like you said, the booking with the Kushida leaving angle, that just became all about Jay White. And he was pushed so strongly in the build-up to New Beginning that, it, for me, I mean, I, I was on record on the Jaycast. I thought it was a formality that Jay White was going to win that title. And they did a, a really great job making him look like a, a made of a big star. And you said it right in
3: cork and all, Joe. I mean, we sat right next to each other and you were like, he, he's getting a title. And you just didn't stop with he's get, that that guy's getting the title. He, they're 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 putting the title on him. So like right from that angle on and the build, you were all over that. Yeah.
1: Now I do want to say you touched on the Jay White thing. Anyone who was a long time uh, Toriyama fan back in the day, just seeing a New Japan angle reference the Sailor Boys, which may be the biggest flop in Toriumon slash Dragon Gate history, was really fucking funny. So I have to give a shout to Taguchi for that one. Uh, Joe, I'm sure you have many things you want to talk about with this tour. So go ahead.
0: Well, I mean, I had my I had my, uh, my fantasticomania hot takes ready. I was all ready to talk about. Uh, oh. Uh, I was all re- I was all ready to talk Sansone and Gran Guerrero here, but uh, we could skip right to the New Beginning.
1: <laughs> I, I forgot. I, honestly, I really did forget. I forgot about Fantastica Mania. And,
0: and I didn't have any hot takes uh, either. So uh, <laughs> it was a fucking load of bullshit. But as far as New Beginning goes, yeah, I mean. Uh, I'm going to plug the 2019 New Japan Year in Review book that we've got coming out on January 2nd. And every year in that book, I write a little section at the end with the under-the-radar New Japan matches over the course of the year. There's so many great matches that I think uh, a lot of a lot of stuff just gets lost in the shuffle and people forget about it. And My match of the tour was that Bushi and Shingo tag against Despy and Kanemuro. I loved that fucking match. I think it was in Sapporo. Yeah, uh, th- yeah. That to me, that was the match of the tour, and uh, and and I don't know how many people actually watched those uh, the USA uh, shows, but I watched all three of them. And everybody worked hard, and I think New Japan did the best they can do. You know, putting lifeblood and Lance Archer and the Dojo boys and, and sneaking Okarn into the country and filling in the gaps with Shane Taylor and and the indie guys and and everything. Uh, and everybody worked hard. And 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 the, uh, the U.S. title match in, I want to say it was in, I don't I forget what city it was in, but it was Juice Robinson and Beretta. Um, another excellent under-the-radar match. I know a lot of people probably skipped those three shows. They're all up on New Japan World. But um, if you watch anything off that tour, watch Robinson and Beretta because uh, I thought that was an excellent match too. And, of course, watch all of Okarn's matches because that guy rules. I'm a, I'm a huge Okarn mark. <laughs> I go out of my way, all the Rev Pro stuff, everything. I fucking love that guy. And I know he's not going to come back with that gimmick and it's going to break my heart.
3: No question marks. No question marks over the face for Joe. For Joe. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm saddened.
1: <laughs> um, so then after that, after New Beginning, you get into the Takashi Izuka Retirement Show, which we don't have to spend a ton of time on, but I just wanted to mention it because the image of him – like just fucking rampaging up into the sunset up the the cork and steps is again one of those images that will stick with me a long time it was the way they booked that i mean the balls to book that to not give the happy ending to not give the tenzan reconciliation and just to have him he just bites tenzan he rampages away uh all this time i i don't remember. i think taichi is like just on japanese commentary asking, does he even know he's retiring? Does he even understand? And it's just... And then obviously Taichi, you know, picks up those iron gloves and takes them out of the ring after Izuka left them. And that ends up getting paid off fucking five months later in the G1 when he uses them to beat Naito, which is just so... I think he never uses them after he takes them. He always shows them under his robe. And then five months later in the G1 he finally uses them. It's just such a a great little story there. So... I don't know if anyone else wants to rave about Izuka.
3: <laughs> I'll tell you what. I just like the fact that, and I don't mean this in a bad way, you don't see him or hear of him ever again. You know what I mean? Yeah. How many pro wrestling promotions would a month later, two months later, or, I mean, not that he was like this big cog in the wheel, but it would be very easy to dump him out somewhere in some fashion. And no. He is retired. He is no longer here. And whether he's he's chasing cows on a farm somewhere, who knows? But he's not in a New Japan Pro Wrestling building, um, which is which. I, which again, I appreciate that small little detail of living up to a step. That's fantastic. How
0: about Tenzan's year? Right, his his ankles at a ninety degree angle. He gets shit on by Azuka. Tenkoji gets eliminated from the World Tag League like on day seven. I mean, this guy just had the shittiest year. I mean, don't forget
1: he lost in the he lost in the first round the Japan Cup to a junior heavyweight.
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lost to a junior, that's right. When, when they decide you're not being pushed anymore, I mean, they just put fucking dirt on the grave. I mean, they just, it's just, a it's, Nakanishi too. I mean, yeah. they, they yeah. finished last in the World Tag League and they lost to a team with a with a young lion. Yeah.
2: You know, so, and now they've got they, a big match at Wrestle Kingdom.
0: Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, they basically shoehorned everyone on eventually. But uh, but yeah, I mean, Tenzon and Nakanishi, I mean, this was the year where they just said, where they just flat out told you these guys are non-entities, just beyond belief.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't know, Joel. Do you have any thoughts on Izuka? No, I think you guys summed it up quite nicely. But I do remember from that show the co-main event, which was Killer Elite Squad against Osprey and Tanahashi. And I guess, sort of looking back on this, this was the sort of dying, the the last gasp for Killer Elite Squad. And I remember watching that thinking, fuck, these guys look really good. Davey Boy Smith Jr. in particular, he was all jacked up. He was like bright purple in the face, rampaging around the ring. I was like, man, this guy's fired up. These guys need to get a push. And then, what, about a month later, he's gone from the company. So uh, that did stick Mm -hmm. out in my memory. What was his last? Was that his last show? Oh, no, he was on the New Japan Cup. No, he was on the New Japan Cup. I think the Yammo match might have been the last one. He so lost.
0: He, it, I think he lost to Yano, and that was the yeah. straw that broke the camel's back because he was mad that he had to do a comedy match.
2: Right. He was yeah. tweeting up stuff. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: So He did a shoot interview too. I don't know if any of you saw that.
1: I did. Where, I did watch it actually. <laughs> it was yeah, where funny. he just
0: shit on Gato and he shit on Yano and he shit on the fact that he had to do that comedy match and he's always been the kind of a I don't want to get in trouble. Uh, you know, he's a unique guy. Let me just put it that way. But there's an interview out there on on YouTube where you can get the entire lowdown of why he quit. Basically,
1: there's like a photo of him in like a a Chinese like guard or something, and he captions it with like he's the most Asian white person. Which I was like, I'm surprised they didn't get him more canceled. Honestly, I guess nobody cared about David Boy Smith. But
2: uh, what a but missed yeah, he opportunity worked. having that uh, <laughs> uh David Boy Smith versus Kenny Omega match for the most <laughs> Asian <laughs> white man. <laughs>
1: Uh, But yeah, his last date was March 24th, so he worked all the way through the New Japan Cup, and that was it for him, according to Cage Match, anyway. Uh, Does anyone have any hot fucking takes on Honor Rising, possibly the the final Honor Rising ever, or can I move right past it?
0: Uh, Well, I mean, you know, the kingdom was certainly uh, not over (laughs) on those shows.
1: Have you ever Um, seen anyone, like, fucking uh, blow it more than them? I mean, I heard, you know, not to, well... This isn't really exactly inside information. New Japan fucking hated them. I mean, they just, they thought they fucking sucked. And corkin I mean, look, Corkin Hall is one of the easiest fucking crowds in the world at this point, especially for New Japan. I mean, those people cheer anything. And they were like, they just would not react to them at all. Like, they just had nothing for those people, for the the kingdom. You know, that, that was something.
3: You put that main event at the 2300 arena. Or you put, and, and you would get the same reaction. I, I, you know, they did nothing to help themselves with that main event, and and, uh, and it, I think it was the second night, right? That it was just, you know, we talk all the time about, oh, how Lance Archer, broken back surgery, comes back, you know, kind of spins his wheels a little bit, but then boom, now he's shot out of it out of a cannon, and a guy who's, you know, up in age. Let's be honest, he's not a spring chicken. Uh, taking advantage of opportunities that are given to him. I-, I mean, that was that's a main event in a pretty historic building. And that yeah. was just so there, right? Just so, oof. Just uh, uh, not to steal an, an, a bag of socks uh, for a match.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, the one the one that stands out to me as being terrible is the J-Lethal TK Orion <laughs> Ring of Honor World Title yep. match, which might be the worst batch of New Japan this year. that that was so fucking bad.
0: Yeah. And then you had the yearly delirious and cheeseburger shot at the Never Open weight six man titles with uh you know a new partner every year, but it seems like every year they you know, get it well, not anymore because it's not
1: on the schedule anymore. <laughs> but bad. Can you can you believe that Ring of Honor left that weekend open because they thought there was still a chance New Japan was going to call them and say, ah, oh, let's get on Horizon 2020 going... I'm like, guys, this is just fucking sad at this point. What are you doing?
3: Not after that Uh-oh. Madison Square Garden show. They, they were expecting a check. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're sadly mistaken after that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anyone else? Anything else on Horizon before I move on? No?
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, it, it led to the formation yeah. of the Colt Cabana Toru
1: team. That's true. That's a good point. I mean, Cabana Cabana is like the one guy, I guess that came out of on rising with like new Japan actually liking him because he, he turned it into like a regular gig. So good for
2: him, I guess.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He had Gresham the six man title team. shot. Who was
2: Jonathan Gresham?
0: Oh yeah. Gresham. Yeah. He wrestled. Uh, um, he wrestled a tag match with Liger against Eagles and Ishimori before Eagles turned. And why do I remember this? I'm humiliated <laughs> that I remember this stuff. How, why do I remember these random Honor Rising matches? I think that it is time to move on because I'm humiliating myself.
1: But yeah, Gresham, at least I guess he did get on Best of Super Jr. So that's good.
2: I mean, he was good. That, that was a uh, – uh, maybe you remember that much because that was the flash pin f- – from Liger. He did the Grand Cobra twist hold in about five minutes on Ishibori.
1: Oh, yeah. and That's up the title match.
2: So, yes.
1: here's it. That's another transition. New Japan's 47th anniversary show on March 6th at Ode Ward. Um, you know, the, the Jay White Osprey, I'll let one of you talk about that, because I'm quite sure that you liked that a lot more than I did. I thought it was fine, but not anything I'm going to remember that well. But two things I remember on this show. Number one, Roki Goto <laughs> declaring that he will win the new japan cup and saying he like i don't remember exactly what he said but he was like i'm gonna win the new japan cup and then getting eliminated in the first round of the new japan cup uh that i will definitely remember that for a long time number two jushin thunder liger challenging taiji shimori for the junior win title somehow having a four and a quarter star match here in 2019 like an awesome fucking match and then announcing his retirement right after. It's like, no, why would you do that? You can clearly still go, sir. Give us another 15 years of your life and body. But no, he did retire right after this. But awesome, awesome junior title match. Joel, I'm sure you're dying to tell me why J.Y. and Osprey was like the match of the year, so go ahead.
2: Yeah, I did love this match. It was in my top 10, and I think this is one of those matches that encapsulates the Jay White phenomenon where his matches are even better on a second watch because you start to notice little details that you didn't notice the first time. So the first time I watched this match, I thought, yeah, that was a really good match. Then I watched it back a second time and you notice all the smart little things that Jay White is doing to build the story of the match. And if I remember correctly, he was going after Will Ospreay's ribs in this match and everything he did, every little move and transition was worked so smartly to target Will Ospreay's ribs, which paid into the finish of the match when I, I think he tried to... I think uh, he was doing a, an Oscutter and then he collapsed or something because of the damage that he received to his ribs and Jay White was able to hit the Blade Runner and beat him. So, again, I think Jay White, best wrestler on a rewatch.
1: Damon, you want to add something about the anniversary show or the main event or anything else on it?
3: No, I mean, again, the, I think the shock to me, you know, as the resident... Jushin Thunder Liger, president of the fan club. (laughs) It it was the fact that, yeah, at that age, he got the tap on the shoulder this time, and which he does like every year. Like there's like one match a year in in, in recent memory that he is able to just put on a match that you're like, holy shit. I mean, back, what was it, previous to this, Dantaku, Kushida, um, that match, this match here. And you're just like, what do you mean? What do you mean? You're retiring now? <laughs> I mean, we knew this day was going to happen, right? We knew this this was going to happen, but you don't do that after putting on a performance like that. You put on, I mean, let's put it this way: as as Joe so eloquently stated, uh, with Tenzan and the year that 2009 brought him, compare that to the year 2019 Liger gave to everybody, and yet he's going to ride off into the sunset. Um, I don't know if that says a lot about the the guy where he's like, all right, I'm a step behind. And I always thought that if I was a step behind, that it was time for me to hang him up. Um, But, yeah, that obviously is going to be the the lasting memory for me is that, unfortunately, not even that show. It's, you know, the day after that press conference um, and him announcing his retirement.
0: Sure. And that's his last title match, right? He didn't have any random six man title matches or anything. I think oh, that was it right. for him in terms of title matches. That
1: was it. Yep. Mm. Went out on top, I guess. Uh did you have anything else you want to add about the show or anything, Joe? No,
0: I mean oh, Shibori's be uh, best match of the year. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Are we sure about that? He didn't oh yeah, he got hurt in Super Junior. So you didn't have yeah. a very good tournament. Um
1: I really liked him and Dragon Lee. And I think do Yeah, I, I
0: I that's what I'm thinking too. What's
1: the date on that? Um May something. First day of I mean, May right? Day. Yeah, it'll be like the first Yeah, of- May, May I think it was May third, I think it was night one. Yeah, it was when they got the main they got to main event, which was awesome.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at my notes on that now and it's it's bringing it back. Yeah, I, I like that one better as well. But I could I could easily see going either way.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that brings us over then to the New Japan Cup, which, as we mentioned earlier, I think was the greatest New Japan Cup of all time. Uh, they expanded it out from 16 to 32 for the first time ever. So you had five rounds instead of four. Uh, there, was just, there was so much great stuff in here. You could do like a whole podcast on just that alone. But like, uh, I mean, I, I have to stay on brand here and say the Naito Ibushi match in round one, uh, March 10th, was, you know, a blowaway match uh i thought it was their second best match of the three it seems like most people uh probably have it as third but i thought this was fucking awesome uh it's on my match of the year list and just uh uh, just you know one of those matches where you're really really hyped and they somehow managed to completely deliver as far as and then they still managed to leave enough also to you know to keep coming back and referencing it all too in the next two matches like here's naito hits this amazing like like sit out pile driver on the apron where he counters the, that, that swan dive German Ibushi does. And he just like flings him over his shoulder and just drops him like in one motion, one of the sickest spots of the year. And they reference that in the next two matches and he, he keeps going for it. And each time Ibushi is just like ready this time, it's just such a great little story and, you know, such building off that spot. So uh, that's my big standout. And then I'll, the other big thing, Okada going through chaos, which was a really fun little story too. And, Culminate in an awesome match for H.E.A. Uh, Joe, why don't we start you this time? What are your memories of the New Japan Cup?
0: Uh, hey, remember when Mike Elgin was in New Japan? <laughs> uh, so th- th- there was an Elgin, there was an Elgin Okada match, I think first round, which I thought was really awesome. And um, you know, Elgin had a rough go his last few months in New Japan, but I think uh, went out on a high note with that one. Um, Yuji Nagata had a really good match against Ishi in the first round too, that I'm not sure a lot of people remember chase Owens, juice Robinson is, was a first round match that may have gotten lost in the shuffle too, that um, I thought deserved mentioning. And of course I really think that it was the Lance Archer coming out party. The match he had against Will Ospreay um, was really, and, and I know Davey boy Smith was finishing up at that point, but really that was kind of the, wow, this guy can have a great singles match. And then we see what he did from there having the second match against Will, on the opening night of the G1 in Dallas. But I really love that first one too, where they did a lot of callback spots from the new Japan cup match in the G1 match later in Dallas. So uh, that's some, uh, some of the, I think under the radar, um, maybe lost in the shuffle kind of things that I remember from new Japan cup.
1: I forgot to mention too, the Taichi Ishii match in the second round where Taichi Chi it starts a little story for him too, especially with Ishii, where like he has the microphone stand in his hand and he has the chance to use it. Ishii just looks at him defiantly and is like, come on, go ahead and hit me with it. And Taichi throws it down and gets back to fighting him, you know, like a man and they just beat the crap out of each other. It's just such a such an awesome moment and it like keeps building to the story that eventually leads to Taichi actually beating Ishii clean at the G1. So I thought that was a great moment in his little character arc. Uh, Joel, do you have any other New Japan Cup thoughts?
2: Yeah, the uh, Tomaki Honma Taichi match, which I think you and I, Joel, were the only people on the planet (laughs) that enjoyed it. (laughs)
1: Everybody else thought we were insane. I thought (laughs) very very
2: underrated. And I guess the Rise of Sanada, so a guy that's joe i believe correctly predicted 2019 being the year for the Senada push and i think this is the genesis here where he went through goto and suzuki and kabana and tanahashi to make it all the way to the final so uh, i thought that was quite noticeable here so to me when i think back to the new japan cup 2019 even though he didn't win it to me it's the the tournament of Senada.
1: yeah i just re-watched the the tanahashi and the okada matches and i took a lot of hate on Twitter from some people for loving that Okada final as much as I did. But I, I stand by that. I thought that was – it held up on Rewatch for me at least. I thought it was a really fantastic match, Okada and Sonata. Uh, maybe Okada's best of the entire year. So, Damon. Oh, I, know that what, 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 I went like, like four. God. Oh, everybody talking at once. What's that?
2: i was just gonna say the tanahashi show to umino match i thought was really good as well and there was a a near fall there where umino rolled up tanahashi and got like two and three quarters and just absolutely popped the crowd i thought that was great joe yeah, you're gonna say you're gonna agree with me so please. i was yeah
0: i was just gonna agree with you that okada sonata i mean of the four matches they had i mean um you know that was uh I'd put that one second. I think I went like four and a half on it, so I agree with you there. I also want to quickly say before Damon goes that uh, that sack of shit, bad luck folly, was so bad in that first round match <laughs> against Willow Spray. That I would, he, that 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 lump of fucking shit could not even get his own shoulders. He couldn't even keep his shoulders on the mat for the three count in that match. It was so hideously bad that I will never forget it. And and it it's just, I don't think we're ever going to see effort out of that guy again.
1: Yeah. Damon, do you have any New
3: Japan Cup takes? I mean, from just from an, a pure enjoyment standpoint, you know, argue, I don't think you can compare um, G One and and New Japan Cup. But one of the reasons why I do enjoy New Japan Cup sometimes a little bit more than I do the the entirety of a G One is I love single uh, uh, the single elimination aspect of it. Right? that keeps you on your toes, that keeps you on the edge of your seat. And, 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 and again, having guys like Chase Owens and having guys like Colt Cabana, they're not afraid to, to, to give you a first-round upset to kind of rattle things up and change things up. So again, you might not always agree with the guy that they deliver the cup to at the end, but they have the guts to kind of shake things up, especially in first rounds, and get rid of guys that you would think that would move on pretty easily on paper boom, out in the first round, and, and you got some surprises in second
2: semifinals and finals. Yeah, for sure. You predicted that, didn't you, David? I remember you going on, yeah. on the a earlier in the year.
1: Yes, you got you got the – you were the only per- – you picked Chase over Drew, and we all laughed at you, I think. So. That's correct. <laughs> that is
2: correct.
1: You did, you did get it. You got, you got us the last laugh on that one. Well, that, well, that's and Chase, exactly. Chase Owens fucking screenshotted, because I did the New Japan Cup preview on the site, and Chase Owens screenshotted me making fun of him and saying he was going to eat uh, a fucking, oh, God, what the hell is these calls? Goddamn finisher. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the Pulp hell. Friction. hell. Pulp friction. Pulp friction. Thank you uh substituting for andrew rich there joe lamza but yes i said he was going to eat a pulp friction and get pinned and he screenshotted my preview on twitter and was like haha who's laughing now geek <laughs> <laughs> it's like well i have to yeah. i have to give you that one you got me yes uh, always- then he, put that, he put out that bracket buster t-shirt too which we should get a cup for that because that was like our fucking bracket he was busting
3: I mean, right. listen. I did get a cut. I mean, I gave, them, I gave, them, you know, I gave everybody the tip, and that's the, your tip for 2020, right? So look at that yeah. when they announce those people. You know, look at the people that are, uh, you know, maybe not having a great 2019, but you might project onto a 2020, getting a little bit more of a of a push, if you will. You know, you're going to get a surprise in the first round. So there's your tip. There's your Damon tip for 2020.
0: You know, Chase Owens has a history of that. He knocked Ricochet out of a Best of the Super Juniors on the last day with a Package Piledriver one time. He knocked Taguchi out of a Best of the Super Juniors like two years later uh, on the final day with a Package Piledriver. And then he upsets Juice Robinson in the first round of this one. So uh, he is a tournament spoiler, that Chase Owens.
1: Yep. And they did a U.S. US title match on the last night instead of booking it at G1 Supercar because Juice – had much more important things to do, which I guess we'll get into in a second here. But uh, yeah, so G1 Supercard, that's the next thing. Uh, That's replaced Sakura Genesis, which is returning next year, by the way, if you didn't see that announcement on... uh, I think it's March 31st in Sumo Hall. Um, This was the only show that all four of us were there in person for, so that's something. Um, The G1 Supercard, I mean... (laughs) I don't know what is left to be said about the ring of honor half of the show. Uh, I, actually, Joe, why well, am I going let you go first here? You were like the only person that night who was kind of defending the ring of honor half a little bit. Not that you thought it was great or anything, but I remember you saying, you know, a lot of it worked in your section where you were sitting and stuff. But now with the benefit of hindsight and, you know, the, the massive cliff that ring of honor fell off after the show, have you re reevaluate any of that?
0: I mean, I liked the show. I didn't really hate the Ring of Honor half. I think I'm the only person on the planet who did not hate the Ring of Honor half of the show. Did I love it? Of course not. There wasn't much to love. Um, but I didn't hate it. And a lot of the stuff that people were complaining about in the building was over where I was sitting. I mean, I, I don't know. I can only go by what I saw. Like when Enzo and Cass came out, and, and granted, I was like right behind them. Okay? So it was yeah. kind of like all of the energy was was right there in my section people were into that at least down there on the floor behind what was going on because it was a shock and no one saw it coming and it kind of hurt the Tanahashi uh, match that followed because people were still buzzing about the angle and wondering whether it was a shoot or whether it was a work and I think because of that it took a while for people to get into Zack Sabre Jr. and Tanahashi and I really believe it hurt the 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 uh, the energy of that match because people were still buzzing about that dopey angle, but um, you know, I, you know, it, it's I didn't think the Ring of Honor half was nearly as bad as other people did. Obviously, um, you know, it it, it uh, most people disagree because Ring of Honor's year obviously went directly into the shitter after that. But as a whole, I mean, I look at my notes. I have six matches from that show in my notebook. I mean, if I go to a wrestling show. And there's six notebook matches. I can't complain about that show. That means I had a great time, and I, I left that building with a smile on my face. I left that building thinking that I saw a great show. I loved the main event. I know the main event is divisive, but it. it I loved it. I mean, I went like four and three quarters on it. Um, I thought it was the perfect story for those two guys, and, and and you know, Okada standing tall and MSG at the end. Um, you know, and the Ring of Honor stuff was not nearly as intrusive to me or 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 bad as it was to other people so for me it's one of my favorite shows of the year it'll probably be finished you know my top three shows of the year which probably sounds insane to people
1: i mean the new japan stuff was really awesome and i i i, I was one of the people that didn't love the main event and i even went back and re-watched it to see if i missed something uh, you know, for if it was better on rewatch before I recorded this. And, you know, it didn't really get much better on rewatch for me. It still felt like a three and a half star, you know, good match, but not to that level. But, you know, Abushi Naito, again, I loved, and I thought it was, you know, a fucking fantastic match. Um, if not for one little botch with that, like, little power driver thing, it might have been, you know, even been the Dominion or the New Japan Cup match. Uh, Zach and Tanahashi. Zack and Tanahashi was the one that gained the most for me. When I watched it back, because what you just said about the, you know, the, the buzz over the fucking end zone cast angle ruining the start of that match was absolutely true. And even in, even up in the in the 100 level, it was like people were just not into the start of that match. But re-watching it back, it really gains a lot when you just are able to watch it on tape. But yeah, the Junior Title three-way was awesome. Cobb and Osprey was awesome. Uh, you know, the stuff that sucked for me was the New York City six-man street fight, which... You know, I couldn't believe that's what they they had Juice Robinson doing on the show. It just seemed like a huge waste. And the fucking three way ladder match, which you know apparently went twenty nine thirty five, but in the building felt. I mean, you could have told me that was twenty nine hours and thirty five minutes, and I would have believed you. Like that thing, I would have guessed like forty five minutes at least. I mean, it just went. That thing felt so endless. So, I mean, it was what it was, I guess. But I, I, I'm not a ladder match fan, so that's probably a huge part of it. But yeah, I could not stand that match. Uh, Damon. Give me, give me some G1 supercard takes. Yeah,
3: so you know we were all there, and for us, a lot of our talk going into that was how you know unbelievable it it was to have a promotion that at least that you know me getting tapes in the 80s and 90s, and you know the you know the evolution of our fandom of New Japan Pro Wrestling and now they're in the building that is notorious for for being you know the mecca you know for any type of entertainment um ven- you know, venue you know the world's most famous arena and now it's new japan and a building sold out and everybody is hyped um and i thought that the show delivered big time right and especially from the new japan perspective when it came to the enzo and 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 the, the brawl i mean we were on the other side of the ring and we had no idea we thought it was a fight in the crowd and, and we thought it was odd that there was a fight in the crowd, right? It just didn't seem like a crowd that would have anyone throwing punches at anything. You know what I mean? Like, like it had to be some ridiculous asshole in the crowd starting a fight because it's just New Japan crowds to me just don't seem like a, 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 a Guns N' Roses concert, right? Um, and then it started The Whispers. That's, that's Enzo and Kat and we were like what that's who uh and yeah you're right i feel like that did take the steam out of it the 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 the, the new york brawl whatever you want to call it with juice and bubba and all that i mean uh, you know I, it wasn't for me um the latter match i ladder match i enjoyed i really did uh, I thought they all worked really hard I thought they all busted their ass To make it entertaining Plenty of car crash element I, I didn't have a problem with that main event uh, from, from the Ring of Honor perspective I love the New Japan main event I really did the, I, th- I thought Okada and White was, was fantastic I thought Abushi and Naito was spectacular I thought the, 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 the junior title match three-way Was everything that you could have wanted From those three guys in the time that they got um, so I think the New Japan section you know, and the New Japan portion delivered, um, and I left that building just like Joe with a huge smile on my face uh, with a home run with with they did what they had to do. I mean, every even something small like like having a battle royal and Jushin Liger in the ring with, with the great Muda. And I know it's, it's years past when it you know, it's, and, and they're not the same people and physically one can barely walk. And I, and I know all this, but that was, that was an, that was a, a moment, right? To me, that was a moment for a meaningless battle Royal. Um, no, I thought the show delivered and I thought everyone there was at, had a great time. Um, in hindsight, the ring of honor stuff, you could have, you know, what, what are you going to do? Um, it happened. New Japan wasn't thrilled with it. We know that New Japan was not pleased, and and from our understanding was you know they really had no idea that it was even happening. And and think of it this way: you made social media stars out of uh, Tonga Loa, so there you go, or, and Tama Tonga. So <laughs> hey, there you yeah.
1: Now I know you've been hinting a lot about uh, Madison Square Garden on the Super J Cast, mm. Joel. So maybe yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, you've been dropping some hints. Well,
3: I just all say is this uh, put on a you know get get a clean pair of shirts. Uh, uh, you know some vans, get some nice summer attire. Uh, I hear New York City is wonderful uh, uh, in the summertime and uh, <laughs> and you know, no rangers, no no nicks to compete with. I don't know. It's, it's you know, I, I think I think we could use a pastrami sandwich, Joel. How about you? You want a pastrami sandwich again? That sounds like a
2: good time, right? I say very the lead here, the biggest story is that don't you? the pastrami sandwich and the karaoke are yes. bombed off. Oh, I forgot about John the Butcher and Tai Chi's theme.
1: Right. Right. <laughs> I wanna say Joel for the record, I just did Chi's theme at karaoke last week. I have
2: improved. So next time I'll do it better for you. So there you go. And so you know, I, I need to pimping. start practicing because David, I, I intend to go for round two in Tokyo next week.
3: Oh well that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if we're eating pastrami, but we'll we're gonna be uh we're gonna be we're will doing it right, that's for sure.
1: But yeah, I think Well if you uh, all come if you all come to New York, we could do it again here too. Well I'm just saying, just leave uh just you know, leave,
3: leave leave your <laughs> summer. Leave your summer open. You know, leave your summer open a little bit. Uh I know summer that yeah. stretches a long time, but uh, leave the end of your summer open a little bit. Maybe, maybe we can all get together and, and have a very similar experience.
0: Yeah. I take offense to you calling that Battle Royal meaningless because, excuse me, sir, for Kenny, K-I-N-G, King, <laughs> King, he earned himself a Ring of Honor World title shot by winning yeah. that Honor Rumble, well, sir. Did bad. it become
1: a three-way somehow? Yeah. <laughs>
0: it that's, that's immaterial to the point here. The point here <laughs> is that was not a meaningless match. And I got to tell you, I yes. love that finish because I like when heels are trolls and do shit like that and ruin a moment. And I, I like that because there was no reason for Jushin Liger or Muda or to win that thing. And for you know this troll to hide under the ring and throw them both over the top rope – I know a lot of people were annoyed by that. I wasn't annoyed by that. I mean, come on. These guys are 55 years old. It does not matter. Uh, so I enjoyed the finish of that uh, on a rumble.
1: Um, yeah, I wanted I, to point out too. oh, sorry. Go ahead, Dan.
0: Uh, the only thing I was going to say is that
3: I, I think a lot of people in that building were kind of feeding off of, oh, Liger's last uh, performance. Uh, there really wasn't anything announced. You figured there would be more, uh, you know, U.S. dates, but nothing was concrete at that point. Madison Square Garden. Let's 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 have that happy moment because, you know, us Western fans were so conditioned that you had to be spoon fed that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think everybody was kind of looking for that happy moment. Schuchel Lager announcing his retirement, Madison Square Garden, blah blah blah. But no, you're right. From a, from a promotional standpoint, yes, King to, 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 was the king of the mountain. Pardon the
1: point. Now if if we're all in the same city again, I think we have to make it a goal to get Joe Lanza to come to karaoke with us next time.
0: Mm. Uh yeah, not a not a chance. That's
1: no It's Joe, it's box karaoke. So you don't have to humiliate yourself in front of strangers just in front of us. Yeah, you know, I
0: don't know. So I know. I, no, I it's, you're not tempting me. I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think that, I don't think it's gonna happen. I'd also like to remind you though that King Haku was in that battle royal. You may have forgotten
3: that. Oh yeah. How could I forget? He's in every before,
1: battle. Before before I forget to tell the story. So this is not this is not a uh a ring of Honor podcast, obviously. Thank God. But Matt Taven wins that three-way ladder match. And I, I think I told this story once before, but the people in my section, you know, these fucking elite fans that were there, you know, who bought their tickets before AW, who were there to and they really, you know, they loved Marty scroll obviously, and they were so behind this man. And when Matt Taven Pulls out this purple ladder, pulls down this title. This this fucking guy, like yanks his child so hard that I thought I was witnessing like an act of child abuse. And he like throws up his middle finger with other hand, and he practically drags his poor child up the fucking steps with the middle finger up the entire way. I'm like, that is one angry fucking fan. And I really thought he stormed out and was not coming back, but turned out. They just had to pass or something, and they just came, they did come back during uh, Okada and White. But, yeah, I'll never forget this man who's so angry, he almost pulled his child's arm out of his socket. Like, Classy on, parenting. Classy yeah. parenting. The Classy. middle finger up the entire way.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, unfortunately for me, I was sitting in the Madison Square Taven section with all of the uh, <laughs> hardcore <laughs> Taven fans. So, to me, that match had a ton of heat. And everyone around me popped at the finish, and it was like a party. I was in the middle of a Matt Taven party. There was purple everywhere. There were women squealing. It was unbelievable. So that I had a totally different impression of that match than than some people sitting in other parts of the building did because I was in, like, the Taven section where they were holding up a banner that literally said Madison Square Taven. So <laughs> there was, like, confetti guns going off and people yelling and screaming. And to me, my perspective was, wow, this match is over as fuck. Then I get on Twitter and everybody's complaining. So I was in the one corner of the universe where, like, people wanted Taven to win that match. Where the other 98% of the world wanted Marty Skrull to win the match, which obviously would have been (laughs) the right decision, you know, in hindsight.
3: Yeah. It's something. Joe, I don't think you were you were with, with Matt Taven. I think you were at a prince concert from what you described.
0: <laughs> it was similar. I mean, there th- these people, no, I don't know if you've ever encountered the Madison Square Taven corner of the unit, but these people are fanatical Matt Taven fans. Like he, he there aren't many of them. There's like two dozen of them on the planet, but they love that man. It's 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 like and you know, it, it's I don't know what it is, but he does have super ardent fans, and I think that the Ring of Honor. Uh, bookers or whatever just got wrapped up in that and they extrapolated it and thought that he was way more popular than he really was based on these very super vocal fans that travel the country and go to ring of honor shows and just, and, and they're just wild for Matt Taven. But uh, now I would hope that they realize that it's just a small group of people right? based on what immediately happened when they put the title on this man where everyone just stopped going to shows full stop because this guy was on top. And they stuck with that mistake for for months and months and months. It's just baffling. But uh, this is not a Ring of Honor year. It was like
1: like six months. It was like yeah, yeah. It was like six months, I think, right? Wasn't it? They kept the Ring of Honor World Title. Yeah, I I watched. I turned into a random Ring of Honor show. I tuned into a Red Ring of Honor show when he was in like a four-way non-title elimination match, and they still had him get the pin in that, like to win the fucking thing. And I, and, this, and meanwhile, they're in front of like, I don't know, like a hundred people, it looked like, you know, in Nashville or whatever. And it's like, you guys still are not giving up on this Matt Tate push, apparently. No. But yeah, like you said, not Ring of Honor, your interview, but man, what a disaster that was. Uh, Duntaku Tour, that's the next thing. Um... This is a weird one because on one hand, you know, they were doing the thing where they tried to do 10 million shows on this tour. Um, and they actually add another one, which Sengoku Lord and Nagoya during the tour. And, you know, on the one hand, it results in like undercard matches, you know, that really do not matter. And, you know, these these shows, um, you know, just will be filled with undercard matches that are not important at all. Um, But then on the other hand, you get like, you know the junior heavyweight tag team titles get to headline a show. Uh the Road to Wrestling Duntaku, Aki, no Sengoku, Emaki. And like these <laughs> these they, they, they get like 25 minutes to do a junior heavyweight tag title match in Hiroshima. And like Republican 3K and Bushi and Shingo, they have a this I mean you you raved about their other one, I think. Or no that was Bushi and Shingo against Death Being Kanamaru. But this match is fucking awesome. It's like a four and a half star match. And obviously they ain't getting 25 minutes on a lot of other shows. So that's the good part of you know having a million big shows. Uh, the problem is also though that like you get like main events like Hino Kuni, which had that Jay White versus Goto match. That was, you know, it was good, but I don't think it was like up to that level. Um, but yeah, I mean like it's a it's it is weird that they they're they're like cutting back on it if you haven't seen the tour that just came out. Like, you know, Sengoku Lord is gone. Aki no Sengoku Imaki is gone. Hino Kuni is gone. I mean, the tour is just Road to Dontaku's, and then Wrestling Dontaku Nights 1 and 2. So they I don't know if that's because of they're going to be doing so many American shows, they don't think? Yeah. Or they yeah, don't have I mean, enough matches? or Yeah, but you, you think that's it, Damon?
3: Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, or fortunately, depending upon how you look at it. Um, yeah, there, I mean, let's look. I mean, I, I know I've hinted at it 500,000 times on the show, but um that's that u.s schedule i mean i mean they're doing exactly what um they said they were running to do with that silly map at that press conference mm-hmm. and uh you know hitting all those different territories they they they're going to be they're going to be a touring company in the united states um so something had to give way right so Texas, you know, I would think would be one of those areas that might have a tour. I mean, we just saw the New Beginning tour that was announced. Um, it, 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 this New Japan will be a, a touring company in the, in the United States. And I think wherever you're listening to this, if you live in the United States, uh, feel confident that you'll see a show in 2020 that's well within your driving distance of a major city. Uh, and-
0: yeah, I love that one of the regions on the map was Texas. Right, that's right. exactly what I want to hear. You know, they're like Southeast United States, Western United States, Texas. <laughs> right. You well, know, yeah. fuck it. I'll go to all of them. I don't care what's on them. You can give me Tracer X and fucking Great Oakarn again, and I'm gonna go. Why not? Yeah,
3: yeah. I think you'll see. You know, your 2, 000, 3, 000 seaters Um, You'll see. Um, certain stops where they'll, they'll, try and shoot for something, maybe a little bit bigger. I wouldn't say too much, but even sprinkle it in there, you might see a, a, a big show, a bigger show. Um, I worry about this a little bit. And again, you kind of look at what these new beginning shows are, are all about so far. And again, they're in a tough spot. They're not announcing lineups. You don't know the talent you're going just because it's new Japan pro wrestling. Um, in, in markets that really haven't been uh, proven successful, um, you're hoping that you're going to have people that are that they can draw from from the surrounding area. But um, yeah, I mean, I think Texas themselves will be will will be will be firmly and soundly represented. Joe, you'll you'll have a couple shows you'll be able to attend in the summer.
0: <laughs> I think the buildings are small enough to where look, some of these shows are going to bomb. I have no question uh, about that. I think some of these shows are going to bomb, but the buildings are small enough that they're going to sell out a ton of them too. There's going to be people jacked up the kind of people who aren't willing to hop on an airplane to go to a G one or go out to California for one of those shows. Oh, new Japan's finally where I can drive to a show. I mean, they're going to draw that type of fan. And I do think the lineups are going to be a little better than people are thinking they're going to be. Um, Cause I think they're taking this seriously. And I think that they're serious about uh, filling these buildings, but yeah, as far as this funny little tour, uh, that we're talking about now. One little thing that maybe people forgot. I was very surprised. I really thought that Togi Makabe and Toru Yano would win the tag team titles on this tour. Because you remember, they got that title shot against Gorillas of Destiny. And they made a big deal out of most violent players coming back together this year. And then they lost that match and didn't do jack shit like they I know they held the, the six man titles all year. There.
3: Yeah, yeah, a little respect there, Joe, please with the, for the never six man belt, so you know. I mean, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, then, I mean, you know they, they, they literally held them all year because they never defend them unless cheeseburgers in town. But I mean, I really thought that that team was poised to have a big year because they really are never going to do anything with Makabe as a single again, same for Yano. So I figured it was a perfect opportunity to put those guys together and you yeah, give them a little bit of a tag team run this year with the titles, but uh, they lost that match on whatever show that was it might have been um Hino Kuni Cooney or whatever like like John said there's like that tour like every four days you're like, oh yeah there's a new Japan pay-per-view again <laughs> like they, you know it's like it was almost too much and you know and, they, and you know you had matches like Bad luck folly versus Mikey Nichols. I'm like what are we doing here like
1: you know, I want mean, uh, we- I want to say for the record Joe your your knowledge of 2019 New Japan trivia comes through again because it was indeed you know
0: yeah so you know <laughs> so that was the one thing i remember like that was it for most violent players and any semblance of push they were going to get and then probably like three days later there was another pay-per-view that i remember nothing about so
1: um,
0: <laughs> you know the best things on that tour were probably i think someone mentioned to ray the were 3k versus shingo and bushi match uh which kicked ass on one of those shows and then um yeah, that's really the only thing. There was a really good singles match on one of them, but I can't remember. Someone help me out uh, here.
1: Now, Joe, uh, the tag title match was on Aki no Sengoku Emaki. if you'd like to repeat that back for me.
0: If you say so, and I will not be <laughs> repeating that back for you. Um,
1: I probably didn't even say correctly. Yeah. But yeah, what was the singles match you're thinking of?
0: I I, I can't remember. It wasn't Cobb and... what Not not Cobb. It wasn't Cobb White and Taichi. Cobb and-, and Taichi? Uh, who did White wrestle? Oh, There, was, was there go- were oh, two really good
2: ones on on Sengoku Lords. The top two matches I thought were really good. There was Juice defending the t- uh, US title against Fale, which I thought was good considering how terrible Fale had been in the New Japan Cup. And the main event was Ibushi versus Zack. So Ibushi was defending the IC title, which I thought was a tremendous match. Uh, and I've got to be careful here when I'm talking about Zack because I might get some very angry Brit rest people. <laughs> I thought that was one of Zack's best matches of the year. Uh, yeah. but uh, that's and, the match uh, yeah, that was it. Yeah. One of Zach's best opponents, <laughs> but th- this tour was strange. It was like if you put all these individual matches together on one show, it would have been an amazing show. So, you got Juice Farley, was good, Ibushi Zach was tremendous. The uh, Rapogi 3K versus Shingo Bushi that was probably Rapogi 3K's best match of the year. Uh, Goto versus JY, I thought that was decent. Again, you got that tag match, as a destiny against most violent players. I enjoyed. Taichi versus Cobb, no short amount due to the fact that Taichi won the number overweight title back. And Dragon Lee versus Ishimori, that got 25 minutes in the main event of uh, Dontaku Night 1 on the Friday, and I thought that was outstanding. And then Night 2, top two matches there were Okada
1: Ishii against Sonata. Evil,
2: and then Okada Sanada. Yeah,
1: Okada Sanada, I will say... Yeah, Okada Sanada,
2: 28 minutes.
1: <laughs> maybe the most disappointing thing for me in New Japan's year, because... I absolutely loved the new Japan cup final as we just talked about repeatedly and this do title match. I just thought was there. Like I thought they didn't even, it, it, it felt it was so far below that new Japan cup final. It felt like they weren't even really trying to live up to it. So I don't know what happened there. It just didn't work. I mean, they, they would go on to have two more great matches. I think in the G I mean, the G one, one, which I don't think that's even controversial at all. I think most people think that was awesome. And the, the King of four wrestling one I liked, but, uh, you know, I think I liked more than some people, but the Dontaku one, I, I cannot defend that one, even as a card carrying Sonata Defender. I did not think the Dontaku title match was very good. Um, the other one I wanted to touch on, too, that you mentioned in these 10,000 matches, well, oh, we did mention actually, why did Mikey Nichols have another match with Chase I Wins of Sengoku Lord? It was like, this is like the Mikey Nichols series. He had like so many random singles matches. Very strange. Yeah.
0: Had another they had another Juice Robinson Chase Owens match on that tour too. Because I think they had a title match coming off of the New Japan Cup upset, and then they had another match. I just think it's because they had like five like C level pay-per-view shows and they just had to put shit on them. Um you know, because it's just that's the that's the rub when the company is growing, right? They'd rather draw five houses of three thousand fans each than draw one big house of 6,000 fans at the end. Do you, do you see what I mean? So it's like they split it up. It's kind of what happened years ago when they split up New Beginning and they split up Destruction. It's it's more advantageous for, for, for them from a business perspective to draw additional houses, um, even though it's worse from a fan experience if you're going to watch all of these things, because now all of the big matches are spread all over the place, like Joel said.
1: Yeah. Uh, anything else on Dontaku before you move on? God, no. <laughs> okay. Uh, best of the Super Juniors um, So again, we talked about earlier It was a really good tour I think this is where I should Cede the floor to somebody Who thinks Will Ospreay like, Had the greatest year in human history Not that I didn't think Will Ospreay was good Because people have this saying Where if you say anything other than He was the greatest of all time this year you think he was bad I mean, I thought he was really good in some of these matches too But um, I think peop, some of you probably liked his tour here, like, more than I've ever liked anything. So, I don't know, Joe. What do you think of... I'm sure this was... The, I mean, I will say, the Shingo run, that that I thought was actually one of the greatest runs I've ever seen. Like, the, the undefeated 9-0 thing. I, I was, like, living and dying with that Shingo run. And, like, he has that match with Kanemaru, where Kanemaru's, like putting him leg first through a table and he's like doing anything to just win by a count out to try to end the undefeated streak. That was my shit. I loved all that Shingo stuff, but you know, Joe, give me the, the Osprey of Vesta super juniors pitch or whatever else you want to say about this one.
0: Kanemaru was so fucking good in that match. I'm so glad yeah. you brought that match up and, and yeah, I think will Osprey, obviously I did audio uh, behind the paywall every night of the tour. I gave every single match he had on this, uh, Uh, in this tournament, uh, four stars plus. Uh, I thought it was a legendary. And Shingo too, the both of them. Both of them in the same tournament had legendary tournaments. The Shingo story was better, right? Because he's going undefeated and he's finding a way to pull out these matches. And it's not like these hokey, come-from-behind, unrealistic wins. He's just a monster who cannot be put down, right? And he survived a lot of shit. But it was within the realm of believability. You can suspend your disbelief that this was, you know, that, you know, it wasn't hokey pro wrestling nonsense where he's coming back from insurmountable odds. He's just too tough to put down. And, you know, he hits that last of the dragon on these geeks one after another and puts them away until he has the Willow Osprey match and and then and then they have that, you know, match of the year match that that they it just, God, this tournament fucking rules. This was just. This was the best Super Junior ever, with with the two best Super Junior runs ever in the same tournament, culminating with these two guys having a match, and it's like and everything and like and everything else you know the Rocky Romero match against ELP and there's just so much more too that I'll let everybody else talk about because I don't want to hog it up, but yeah, Will was just out of this world great, and uh, when you combine his 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 G one with that and his New Japan Cup with that, it's just. My God, this, it, but this was just the, the peak, you know, and, and he even went out there and had a great match with fucking Kai or whatever the fuck that guy's name is. <laughs> Doki. <laughs>
1: Doki. Yeah. Doki. It's, just, it's
0: just an incredible tournament. I mean, uh, uh, to me, the best ever. And, and, and the Shingo stuff in one block, the Will stuff in the other, I, I can't say enough, but um, yeah, I will give up the floor to everybody else.
1: Joel, you want to add some add some takes here? How about the Doki?
2: Doki was great. Yeah, I I was one of the original Doki defenders because. I thought, I think his own first match was against Renarita. Uh, So obviously good opponent to start with, but I thought he acquitted himself very well there. You know, he was a last minute replacement, sleazy lucha indie's heel guy. So the expectations weren't that high, but I thought he did absolutely fine. And the fact that they've kept him around, I think is testament to that. But uh, on the Osprey thing, I mean, I'm just looking at cage match here to see, how some of these matches were rated. and uh, We've got the observer ratings as well. I mean, say w- what you will about Meltzer, but this is just an indicator of how highly some people thought of this run. So the Rocky match, four and a half. El Fantasmo match, four and three quarters. Bandido, five stars. Uh, Narita, four and a quarter. Eagles, four and a quarter. Doki, four and a quarter. Taguchi, four and a half. And then the final five and three quarters, Meltzer gave that. So uh, I think one of the things that stood out here with Osprey is that he was determined to make Everyone he wrestled against looked good. There wasn't anyone he went out against and was like, no, sorry, I'm a bigger star than you. I'm going to blow you away, which, you know, you would have been within your right going against someone like Doki or Renarita to think, no, I should win this one in five minutes. But he didn't do that. So I think one of the things that I'll give Ospreay credit for is that everyone he goes in there with, he's determined to put on the best match that they can possibly have. And other matches that I've really enjoyed, I thought Shingo against Dragon Lee was outstanding. That's one that a lot of people have forgotten. I thought Dragon Lee had a low-key, really, really good tournament here. And also, uh, Sho versus Kanemaru, which had that amazing count-out moment where Show's desperately trying to run back to the ring to make it in time for the 20. And uh, I think Kanemaru threw one of the young lines into Show, So they both tumbled over and then he couldn't get back in the ring in time. So uh, that was really good stuff too.
1: Two things. Uh, first of all, None of us mentioned Show and Shingo, which seems like an oversight. Uh that match was fucking awesome. And I will say if like those Will Osprey matches, a lot of my favorite ones were like the the off-the-beaten path ones. Like I will remember that Osprey and Doki match for a long fucking time. Probably because it was just such a bizarre, like visual, like Will Ospreay in here with this like ninja mask wearing uh kind of chubby weird gear web pipe man and like they they went out there and had an awesome fucking match. So I do have to give Will credit for that one, that was really good. And and Doki Doki held up his hand to the bargain too. So he could have, you know, Will could bad luck folly didn't have a good match with Will, but Doki did. So give Doki's credit for that. Uh, but yeah, Joe, the one, the other one too, I want to mention was
0: the uh the Will match against Robbie Eagles because that continued the two year long story they were telling and also planted the seeds for the Robbie Eagles face turn which happened on the Australia tour you know a month or two or whatever it was after this so uh, there was even sort of a story match thrown in there It wasn't just a straight up you know work rate fucking bonanza like all of other Will's other matches were you know he went in there with Robbie Eagles and they continued a two year long story that they had been telling and we know where Robbie he didn't want to take the pin because he knew fantastic had interfered in the match, and he begrudgingly, you know, covered him, and 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 obviously that set the stage for what would occur in uh, in Australia a month later.
1: Uh, Damon, you haven't gotten a chance to get in here yet. What's your best of super junior thoughts?
0: Two things. One,
3: I, I, and again, Joe was kind of taking the conversation and I thought he was going to go there. But, but, yeah, I mean, you're looking at what was – Arguably, and, and some people may disagree, but it's in the mix. You know, Shingo and Osprey being match of the year at, on the finals. Um, and then you had matches like, you know, Dragon Lee and Ishimori, or excuse me, um, not Dragon Lee, Ishimori. Uh, I just lost the, the train. Uh, Dragon Lee and, and, and Shingo, right? Um, and just, you know, Osprey and Bandito, right? Just matches like that, that again, just kind of you just forget just because of all the other stuff that was just such higher tiered pro wrestling that even the really good stuff kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Um, every year we talk about wrestler of the year, like right around this time, um, in, in the calendar year. Right. And everybody was already years past, you know, you would, you would talk about ricochet and you would talk about Abushi. um, getting to this point, everything before G one. And now you have Will Ospreay where everybody's kind of talking, Oh, you know, he's, he's, he's a front runner. He's, uh, for the rest of the Year, and he's you know he's got to be he's going to be in that mix, and but everybody was kind of like okay well but you know we still got G one to go, and that's really going to be the 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 thing that pushes somebody over the top, and G one's really going to be the barometer of who's going to win this and, and match of the year and all that stuff. So Will goes out has arguably one of the best best of the Super Juniors of of any person at any time, right? Culminating in a match that Joe described. Of of two guys that were at the peak top of the top of their of of their of their uh, groups meeting in this main event, and then after that we find out G one's right around the corner for Will Osprey, right? So even before G one, even before G one, Will Osprey is your is your wrestler of the year in ring to me, right? And I think that this tournament just solidified that um he didn't i don't even think he needed his g1 his g1 helped just put icing on a on a very a very delicious cake that was already being set right after best of the super juniors and i don't know if you could say that about those previous guys that we talked about like ricochets like abushis um in in previous years that were leading up to the summer uh, let's pause let's wait until g1 i really feel like even after this tournament Will Ospreay was wrestler of the year. Uh,
1: and I want to give a special shout out too, to the final night, which we talked about the the final match, obviously, which was outstanding. But um, So I, I I started planning a trip for Japan before uh, they had announced that this was going to be at Sumo Hall. So I felt like I made out kind of like a bandit here where we ended up getting to go to Dominion and this four days beforehand. And it felt like we almost got like another mini big show. And I actually like this show. I think overall more than Dominion because you have that amazing main event. You have um, Jay White and Tanahashi, which I think Joel mentioned before was you know a, a better match than their um, the title change. I thought that was a, a, an awesome Jay White Tanahashi match. Uh, you had like a, a bunch of like fun little tag stuff, including Okada and Rocky Romero against Brody King and Marty Scroll, which I remember being like oddly fun, just seeing like Okada in there with Brody King. Which is not a matchup I ever thought we'd see, and then you had John Moxley beating Juice Robinson for the US title, which is crazy to think about now. But like, this was his first match after leaving WWE. Like, this was the match that like um, he he talked about himself. I think like a month or two later, where he went out there and finally like realized that he gets in the ring and he starts doing a bunch of moves, and he's like, he, I think the exact way he put it was like. I got out there. I started the match, and I realized it was finally just me. He's like, "There's no one else in the ring with me." And what he meant was like, he didn't have you know Vince McMahon or the agent or whoever the fuck uh, like barking orders through the through the referee. He was just finally able to have a match. And like John Moxley as Dean Ambrose, I I don't know if I'd ever if I've seen him have a match that I really liked. And like you know, since like the end of the Shield, I, I really can't think of anything. That stands out. So watching him come here and just have this fucking barn burner with juice and like, you know, tear the house down and you know to be in the building and see people go nuts and just see him, you know, have that kind of performance. It's like how many people on that roster in WWE like have this in them? It's probably like more than half that could come out tomorrow and do this. So it is. It is really it, that was really something. Again, something that will stick with me. Just seeing John Moxley come into that ring. And just fucking have that bar burner with juice. And to watch this, this guy that I thought nothing of in, in, for, like, the last, like, three or four years of his WWE run, to watch him do that was pretty amazing. But I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on the Super Junior Finals.
3: Well, the best part yeah, about the, that. The Mox- yeah, sorry, go Yeah, Joe. I was, I was just going to say the the, the the Mox thing was just a, a, a very pleasant surprise and and I know that there are many Chris Brooks fans that were that were upset that it wasn't that it wasn't him. But uh, he's been
1: great, yeah. too, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. he's been really good.
3: Yeah, but yeah, he. Uh, I just remember that banter going back and forth of, wow, Chris Brooks, Chris Brooks," and then, "Oh, it's Moxley." Okay.
0: Yeah, the Moxley thing was one of the defining moments of the year in all of pro wrestling. Like you said, his first match outside of that system, and he knocked it out of the park and did a great job. So uh yeah just a, a great tournament and a, and a great final.
1: Yeah. Uh 4 days later you have Dominion which is you know it's a it's a weird one to revisit a- again and this is again talking about the the like, the new Japan um you know high standard. I mean this has my new Japan match of the year or my actually no my second place uh to Nobushi for the IC title which I thought was you know I'm definitely on the side of five star match you know not I don't have any problem with the violence or whatever. i you know, that's that is a match that I absolutely adore. And again, I just rewatched it and it totally held up for me. Uh but it also has Osprey and Dragon leave the junior title, which is awesome. Uh Ishii and Taichi for the Never title, which ruled. Um, you know, that Shingo Kojima like eleven minute match that was so fucking good. Uh the beginning of that moxie Umino angle. The problem is the main event, uh it just really wasn't up to the standard of a Dominion main event. It just, you know, it was just kind of a nothing match, and dragged on way too long with Okada and Jericho. And then the the crowd really in the building again being there, they really hated that post match angle. I mean, Joe, you can talk about it too. They they were really mad. That they did not get their um, you know their Okada speech. It just becomes such a you know an expected part of the New Japan experience. You see Okada and IWGP title match. You see him retain the title. You expect him to go up there and be like you know Mitsu, which is like I have three things and he just didn't do it so obviously with the jericho thing so yeah they, they really did not like that and it was a kind of negative reaction you really do not ever get at new japan shows so being there for that in the building for that moment was really something but joe i know you were there as well so go ahead and, do you do you disagree with me on any of this oh the Kenta thing too that was amazing too to be there for but joe anything
2: yeah if you chopped off the main event then this is a candidate for show of the year but just having that tagged on the end of it and uh, i remember being there i was sitting with wh park and jojo Remy, and we were just talking all the way through that main event there was nothing about that main event which grabbed our attention and <clears throat> excuse me just the way that it finished with uh it was a, a a roll up or a flash pin if i remember correctly so it wasn't like it was a conclusive finish and then you had them setting up the jericho tanahashi stuff so it was very unsatisfying we didn't get like you know the big moment the rainmaker one two three and the speech and and all that at the end but aside from that really good show we had this uh, genesis of the moxley show to uber i think which is even paying dividends at christmas with john moxley sending show to one of his uh, death rider jackets so i'm sure we'll see that one going long into the future you talked about kojima against uh, Shingo already and we had the suzuki liger feuds going full throttle here with their tag match together with yoshihashi and zach involved and the Ishii Taichi, so they're their rematch here. And this was notable for the Super J-Cast because this was uh, – I nearly had to shave my head with this one because the cartwheel deathmatch went uh, into overdrive here. And finally, I managed to ring a acknowledgement of a four-star performance out of Taichi. So uh, that one was really good too. The tag match with G.O.D. against Evil and Sonata was notable for the photo of the queues for the toilets at Osaka Joe Hall that I tweeted out <laughs> going viral. And it just speaks to how weak and uncompetitive the heavyweight tag division was that year. And oh, this I is where I threw a love bottle Lee versus Osprey. That was my
1: this is where I threw a bottle at uh, Harold Mays, too, or Harold May. Uh, did did <laughs> I tell you that story? So, so no. I'm walking. I'm so I'm I, I was like on the floor, right, like right off the floor. So to go to the bathroom, I guess I passed I passed the door. that Harold was standing right next to, and. You know, I go to throw my like plastic Coke bottle away as I'm going to the bathroom and, you know, I throw it in. I'm just throwing it in the can and I'm pretty far away. But I'm like, oh, I almost forgot. I throw it in there. And my buddy goes, do you see who you just almost threw that bottle at? I'm like, no, what did I? I look back and Harold is standing there and still looks a little... Like disheveled, that this foreigner almost threw a bottle right in his face, and Clinton was like, "Yeah, he he jumped backwards. Like he thought you were gonna hit him with this bottle." But no, I made I look. I was a good shot. I got I got it right in the garbage can. Hey but, John, uh, don't,
3: yeah. don't, don't try and steal our Michael, Michael Craven. <laughs> <laughs> don't,
1: don't I almost. Like, he, he, our I, I'm sure he doesn't know who I am. I almost I I almost threw the bottle right in his face. It was something. Uh, but yeah, Damon, go ahead. What are your Dominion thoughts?
3: Well, I mean, I'm I'm kind of looking through. I, I I have our year-end awards up, and I kind of look through matches of the year, and and I like it when people kind of jog my memory. I I drink a lot, so I don't remember things that well. So I'm glad I have everyone here remembering these things because uh, sometimes it takes me a little bit to be like, oh yeah, that was pretty great. No, um, but I will say this. So if you go through our match of the year as voted on by the listeners of the Super J Cast, it's you know, best of the Super Junior Finals and Wrestle Kingdom, and then tons of G1 matches, and then there's that Naito Apushi Dominion match that sits comfortably in the top ten. So yeah, to me, that's that's the one match that I would take away from that show, 100. And 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 the memory that I would take away from that that show would be Naito and Uh Joe, anything? To add Can the we
2: mission? talk about that spot oh, cool. for the match that? Oh yeah, that sure, apron sure. Suplex thing. When all, I've, when I've screamed about it. I've on... screamed
1: about it on this podcast so many times because it so pissed me the fuck off how much shit they got for that spot when again Osprey and fucking scroll botched an apron spot in almost the exact same way. And I do not remember, you know, with like Osprey hitting his head in the fucking apron. I do not remember a single person being like, oh, I refuse to write this match. This match is too dangerous to write. It just it for some reason that like comparison like really pissed me off. It's like we're like it felt like we were picking on the Japanese for doing the the super dangerous shit that you know apparently we're we fine with letting the white people get away with. It was really, like really really angry. But uh, I mean, look, clearly they were not trying to do that. Clearly, um, Naito was trying to German suplex Ibushi off the apron, and Ibushi was supposed to land on the fucking mat. Would that have still been on the uh, apron on, the, on the, the, you know, the padding on the floor Would that still have been very dangerous. Of course it would have been. Um, but it's one of those botches that like, especially since Coda was fine by all accounts, it's one of those botches that adds to the match because you look like you just witnessed a murder and they continue on with the match. and keep doing all this crazy shit. I mean, if you watch it back, I mean uh, like even like Kevin Kelly and, uh, and God, Don Callis—they sell it like they—they they just saw a man die, and I'm sure they thought it. They did it first, but as it keeps going, and as it's clear that they're fine, they're doing all these spots and like still doing them flawlessly. I mean, at that point, they're probably just—they're they're just selling it, and they do a great job, you know, calling it and like setting up. They're just like, you know, they're watching these people kill each other right after. You know, Koda could already be dead, but yeah, it will stay with me forever because of that. But like, I don't know the fucking fading couch people. I, I ain't got no time for you, especially if you're not going to hold everybody equally accountable. It just felt like the Nike Obushi, because it's a series and because they always land on their necks and stuff, it became like a cause celeb for people, and I'm just like, okay. I don't care what you write in Paste Magazine. They're not going to change the fucking spots because of it, so might as well stop. <laughs> but Joe, do you have anything you want to... Well, uh, well
0: said. Yeah, I mean... I don't care what these people do to their bodies. I mean, everyone has their personal line. This didn't cross mine. I mean, it it you know, it nobody got hurt. You know, it, a lot of it is concern trolling. Not all, all of it, but a lot of it is um you know, but I look, I I've, I've given my take on wrestlers doing dangerous things for years and I will stay consistent with it. It's their bodies. It's up to them. Do I think they're fucking idiots? I do. But um does it entertain me it does um and and it I'm not ashamed of that it doesn't embarrass me and um you know being a pro wrestling fan I know that the odds are very good that I'm going to see something else tragic you know at some point um you know before the end of my life probably multiple things that are tragic this probably came perilously close to being something tragic this is a dangerous activity and um it is what it is and you know uh, you know it it's I don't know. I really don't want to say much more about it because I don't... All these months on, I really don't care. I mean, no one got hurt. Nobody got hurt, and it looked cool. What do you want me to say? I mean, it it added to the match, and it it looked cool, and I did fucking rate it. And, uh, you know, I rated it very high, and that spot was part of the reason I rated it high. So if I'm a monster, I'm a monster. Whatever. I heard
1: heard after the fact Kota was, like, angry. Like, Kota Ibushi was like fucking mad that people were like he's like I know what I'm doing like that was basically his reaction and like he was fucking angry that people were you know shitting on the match for being too dangerous or whatever like he was like actually mad and I totally get it from his perspective he's like look I'm not dead I'm totally fine you know maybe my head hurts but like my head hurts a lot in a lot of matches that don't feature uh, my brain hitting the side of the apron and I just went out there and killed. And I feel like I killed it. And then I had to come back and read people being like, oh, they have to stop. Like I, I would be mad too if I was him.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I liked it. I thought it looked cool and dangerous and no one got hurt. So I'm okay with it. So I don't know. Fucking cancel me again. I've been canceled. <laughs> I, it doesn't matter at this point. But um, yeah. the, the other thing I'll say quickly is I will be the defender of the main event. I loved it. I, okay. and, and maybe I'm just, See, the Jericho thing, I don't know. I I, I still haven't figured out if my Jericho love is ironic or not, but I really don't care. Uh, I I enjoy the fuck out of everything Chris Jericho does. And yeah, the sit-down finish that Joel had referred to, that was a a, uh, callback. That was a callback from one of the Okada finishes with Omega. So they kind of worked that into this one. And uh, I, as an intellectual wrestling fan, recognized that callback. And it added to the match for me where I could see where it came off flat to others. She's like, what the fuck is this? I want my Rainmaker. But I saw what they were doing there. I recognize it didn't work for the live crowd. I recognize that I'm sort of on an island. Me, me, I'm on an island with Dave Meltzer on this one because I think he liked the match too. But we're the only two people who did, I think. But, uh, but yeah, yeah, I will defend the main event because I enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's fair. If you liked it, you liked it. But it wasn't. It was, like the people in the building sure did not like it. So I think
0: That's Chris not- Jericho t- – here's the thing. Chris Jericho took Okada out of his comfort zone and made him do something else. And, yeah. uh, you know, so so I think that was a positive too. But uh, I, I yeah. accept the fact that, that everyone thinks I'm an idiot. But uh, I, I like the match. I don't know. I got to be on. I got to be true to myself, John.
1: Yeah. No, I hear you. I mean I, do, I think about that all the time with some people that people really love. So – um, the, the other main moment, none of us touched on was Kenta coming out, which in the building when Shibata brought Kenta out, that was like, I, I don't know, you'd think Jesus is like descended from the heavens. Like the people next to me were like screaming as loud as I've ever heard people scream. So it's, that's what made it all the more bizarre when, you know, they, they so quickly turned on him when the G1 started, because there was, there was no fucking sign of that in this building. I mean, the people were going crazy. So you know, when they, when he they really turned on him... He so was so like, long.
2: I'm sorry? Shubasa was pointing for ages. He was pointing yeah. at that entranceway for about five minutes before <laughs> Kenta finally turned up. So that was them sowing the seeds that Kenta was eventually going to fuck him.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you, I don't know. Was the reaction like that where you were sitting too? Because where I was sitting, you'd think the fucking Beals came out. Like, they loved Kenta. So. I don't know, Joel. What was it? Was, yeah, it was, was the like same. A... It was a huge moment. Yeah.
2: And, uh, that, that's I guess one of the things that stands out from Dominion, these little moments that weren't necessarily in the matches. Uh John Moxley declared himself in the G1 and when he said he was uh greetings from Ohio, and then the Japanese crowd thought he was saying Ohio, like Ohio because I must, and they went Ohio, <laughs> and then Shingo declared he's in the G1, and then this Kentucky Shibata thing. So there was a lot of notable uh, out of the ring stuff as well. That was very memorable.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then and then they very quickly turned on him. Someone told me, I don't I, I don't remember who it was. It may have been Jojo. It may have been somebody else who speaks Japanese. But they basically said one of the reasons why the fit Japanese fans turned on Kenta was he has a very, like, okay. Like, Japanese is a very, like, indirect and very polite language, right? And the way he, he speaks, which isn't very obvious to us, even with subtitles, when he says stuff like, I want to show you Kentus Pro Wrestling, or I'm going to show you Kentus Pro Wrestling. That carries with it like almost an and like an implied uh statement of I'm gonna show you Kentus Pro Wrestling because Kentus Pro Wrestling is the superior pro wrestling to the way you people are used to doing pro wrestling. So it doesn't really come across well in subtitles, but he comes off to Japanese fans apparently in his promos, even before he turned heel, I'm saying. Like, he came off very arrogant to them. So that apparently was a big part of, uh, like, Kendra turning, from what I was told, anyway. So.
3: Yeah, I mean, we've heard the same thing. And, and you know, we we have people that have... It, you kind of do the girlfriend or the wife test, right? Of um, yeah. uh, You know, hey, you know, why do you think this is... You know, just to get a, a pres- perspective that might be outside of the wrestling world, right? I think we've all... Have done this in in some form or fashion, right? Um, and the feedback that we would get from people that are in you know, in, in Japan uh, who did something similar to that, as to why Kenta is, you know, just as you described, it, it is that language that he would use almost cocky, abrasive um, in in how he says what he says. Um, and, and Joel, maybe you could speak a little bit more about that conversation that we had possibly
2: <laughs> yeah we were just told that it's uh, similar to what john said that the way he speaks is very aloof and arrogant so just even the, the way that he's phrasing his pro is when he was quite quite a baby face there was just just that little uh sort of bubbling undercurrent of arrogance that was kind of turning people against him so it makes me wonder
1: if that because i i i thought at first that maybe the heel term wasn't planned maybe they went with that Because he was getting booed. But it makes me wonder if that was not the plan all along.
0: I think it was the plan from the jump. The way it all played out. uh, It sure seems that way to me. And maybe he really was doing. Those type of promos to Because he knew where it was all leading. But I suspect. Look, Kent is my favorite wrestler of all time. And listening to this conversation. I think this makes him even cooler. I mean, I like the fact that he's just a – because cocky, asshole, prick Kenta is the best Kenta. And that's exactly why he didn't work in WWE because they did not understand that. So this is all like a revelation to me. And I, I think this makes – I like him even more now. And he was already my favorite wrestler ever. I like the fact that his promos are, are cocky and in-your-face and, 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 and just have that edge to them that piss people off because that's his best attribute, you know, being a smug little asshole that pisses people off. That will yeah. then kick you in the teeth.
1: Um, so I'm gonna say let's skip right past Kazuna Road because really, who gives a fuck? Uh, some stuff happened on it. I don't That's even I know. I
3: my it's about Kazuna. I got, I got three pages, John.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, there was the, no show. At the I end, just? Right? Oh, sorry, Go. Joel. Give me, give me Kazuna Road hats. I was cake. just gonna say when,
2: when they did the. Yes, when they did the uh, video package revealing who's in the G1. At oh, and I forgot about they, so so when it it that. When they showed the Taiji, right, when they announced yes. Taiji was going to be in it, there was a massive pop from the Korakuen crowd. They love that.
1: And he was, and Taiji was at ringside, like on commentary at Korokin and you could tell, like the pop was so huge, and he wasn't expecting it. He actually breaks character for a second. Like, you, if you watch and the camera focus on him and he the, – the, the, man, the man looks like he's about to cry, honestly. Like, he's so happy. And then he realizes what he's, like, doing on camera. And he, like, gets it back together instantly. He's back to being like, oh, I don't care. It's just such a – it's such a great moment. But, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. I totally forgot about that. That Kazuna is the only highlight that Kazuna wrote. It's the G1 Climax uh participants' announcement. But, yeah, it, it did end with a, a show in Sendai. Which featured the amazing main event of uh, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Yoshihashi for the Rev Pro British heavyweight title. And also fin- featured Fantasmo against How the NFG one spot. spot. That's right, I forgot about that. And it featured a Rev Pro British Cruiserweight title match with Fantasmo and Taguchi. So and he's belted ahead kind of more in New Japan.
0: They capped off a tour uh, with, a, with a tour ending show with two Rev Pro title matches on top and drew 1,800 fans.
1: Yeah, it's pretty crazy, but I mean they they regularly they they draw like fucking four thousand for some of these World Tag League shows. You're just like, what? the, Why are four thousand people going to World Tag League? But they they go. I don't know. Um, the the Southern Showdown. I think the big thing right is the Eagles Turn. I did not watch these shows. I will be honest. I did not watch the Australia shows. So Joe, the I assume the big thing is the Eagles Turn, right?
0: Yeah, the Eagles' turn, which culminated a two-year story, and I love how it's how the uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, the 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 uh, Melbourne the MCW matches that that Will Ospreay had with Robbie Eagles two years in a row are part of the New Japan canon, and and this paid off that story uh, from from start to finish. Um, uh, Osprey beats him the first year, Eagles beats him the second year, uh, brings him into. Uh, uh, he comes to New Japan, but he betrays Willow Spray by joining Bullet Club, and then uh, we talked about the Super Junior match where where Eagles has the crisis of faith, you know, and, and doesn't know whether he should take the pin, and he begrudgingly takes the pin, and then finally they do the turn in Australia where it all began, and Robbie Eagles joins Chaos and comes back together with Willow Spray. So if you're wrapped up in the Willow Spray Robbie Eagles stuff, this was a cool little two-stop tour which paid off. Um, you know, a, a story that had started two years earlier.
1: And it had that epic uh, juice Robinson Mikey Nichols team getting their tag tit- title shot. So that that's is right. Uh, the G1 climax, again, this is we're, we're running a little long and you could do it a whole podcast just on the G1. But what I want to say first of all, the opening show in Dallas, uh, I think people freak the fuck out for no reason. 5,000 fans is a very good crowd. It just looked bad in that giant building. But, uh, you know, I thought that 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 crowd was like, I mean, I get why people were like, oh, it looks bad on TV. But that being in that crowd, that crowd was so hot for everything. It's like you almost forgot how small they were compared to the building. And, like, they were – I will take a a fucking 5,000-seat crowd like that or 5,000-fan crowd like that over, you know, WWE's 10,000 fans sitting on their hands any day of the week. Uh, I mean that moment where Okada Tanahashi starts and the bell rings and nobody they they don't do anything and the crowd just all like spontaneously like stands up and just gives them a standing ovation just for like being there in front of them. That was an incredible moment that I'll you know I will not soon forget. So it was one of the best pro
3: wrestling crowd. Yeah, it was one of the best pro wrestling crowds I've ever been a part of, and that's that's this is a guy that's been sitting in that Crumhole ECW arena for many a month and. You know, Spectrum shows back in the day and, 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 uh, you know, Ring of Honor shows. And that, that was one of the best crowds. Now, look, I'm going to disagree with you, John, a little bit in the sense that, look, that was a disappointment. And if, and if they, if, if they thought their audience was just 5,000 people, then they would have booked a 5,000 seater, right? They wouldn't have booked a 12,000 and a basketball NHL arena, right? Um, and I don't care what kind of deal they might have gotten or I don't know if it was a sold show or, or whatever the case may be or if it wound up being profitable. They wanted, they wanted asses in those seats. Um, and when they're filling up sections of the of the crowd with people of the – and I'll put in air quotes – pro wrestling media, right, uh, that's not a good look, right? We're right in a camera shot. We're literally a ca- like right in – a section that should be filled with, with fans. Um, so, again, while it was the best pro wrestling crowd I've ever been in front of, I enjoyed myself thoroughly. I thought the show was fantastic. That It was just a bad look. It was just a bad look to
1: have it in that building. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Joe, you were I, there too.
0: Yeah, I think it was just so smart to give that crowd Okada Tanahashi because – A great deal of the people, you know, most of the people there were brought into, became New Japan fans because of Okada versus Tanahashi. So to give people that match, uh, I don't think was just a device to attempt to draw fans. I think it was a kind of a thank you to everybody too. And here's your, thank you for the fact that we could even run this show. Here's Okada and Tanahashi. You know, the, the, the preeminent feud of the decade and what a lot of you, uh, the reason that you're a New Japan fan to begin with. And I think that. That's part of the reason it got that enormous response that it did when they when they hadn't even touched yet, and for me personally, it was just uh, the greatest uh, moment of live wrestling I've ever been a part of. For me personally, and I've been to a lot of shows. Uh, like Damon, I'm a thousand years old. Uh, ECW Arena regular. You know, you go back, you know, many years. I've been to every promotion on earth, um, and and that was just a special, special moment. Um, you know, that feud is the reason that you know. The Voices of Wrestling website uh, has grown. The flagship podcast has grown. Uh, uh, The reason that people pay me to listen to me talk about pro wrestling is because of, uh, you know, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kazuchika Okada. Um, So, you know, that was, you know, I had goosebumps. I had chills up there in the flagship suite, as a matter of fact, Damon. Uh, (laughs) I'm not even making that up. It was literally the flagship suite. That's right. So uh, a tremendous moment. And I'm glad that they gave people that match in particular
1: um the rest of the g1 i mean again there's just so much that's probably we'd probably be talking forever about it my macro thoughts are um you know the g1 started off awesome with those shows oda ward uh the sapro and then the three horicans there was like a little inc itty bitty like downturn where i can understand why you might not call it the best g1 ever like the uh, what was the show that wasn't that great? The maybe Fukuoka and Takamatsu were the two, but I mean, there's always like that little period in the middle that's not great. But may, once they get back to Osaka, those Osaka shows, we have Naito and Shingo and uh, Okada and Sonata back to back. I mean, those are two of the best, you know, back to back like main events they've ever done. I mean, those are you know a five star match and a four and three quarter star match for me at least for Naito Shingo and Okada. Sonata. So two awesome matches there. Uh, You know, they go to Yokohama, which has that amazing Shingo Ishii match, and they go back to the Budokan, where you have Okada and Ibushi, Naito and White, uh, Taichi and Ishii, where Taichi pays off his year-long storyline where he, you know, he fires up in front of the Budokan crowd and beats Tomohiro Ishii, clean as a sheet while they're all going crazy. That's, again, one of those moments that will stick with me for a long time. And then you have the, the really good final with Jay White and Ibushi, where which probably the first time I really, really connected with Jay White. And, you know, it it would go on into his destruction where, like, you know, I I thought that Jay White-Abushi final was really awesome. Um, And you have some other great moments on that G1 final, too, which we can get into. But those are, like, macro G1 thoughts. Uh, If anyone wants to throw some more at me. Joel, you didn't get to talk about DAO. So anything
2: macro G1. Uh, Well, from Dallas, I think the uh, Lance Archer Will Ospreay match was notable because that was just like a real party for Lance Archer, being out there in front of his home fans and getting that moment. Big match, big win, terrific match. And I think that is probably going to be one of, if not the highlight for Lance Archer's year. A great moment for him. And uh, yeah, just to echo your thoughts on the G1. I mean, it's difficult to sort of break it down any further. I mean, I'm just looking at our. Uh, Super J casts year-end awards match of the year results. So there's a lot of G1 matches in here. We've got Osprey Tanahashi from Night 17 is in there. Uh, Osprey versus Ibushi from Night Five. Uh, Ibushi Okada from Night 17. We got Sanada Okada. The uh, where Sanada just won it in the last second. I thought that was a tremendous match. Really exciting and just proves that the tournament format can make. Matches much more exciting when there are, uh, you know, you've got that 30-minute time limit and there are things at stake where otherwise if it's or Okada in a title match, you know that Sanada doesn't have a chance. Uh, Moxley versus Ishii had a really good reception from night six. Uh, you mentioned Takagi versus Naito as well from night 14. Okada versus Osprey from night seven. People love that match. That plays really highly. That was the... Uh, fifth highest match in our poll so uh, that was one that really resonated with a lot of people uh, like you said Takagi versus Ishii and then the finals I thought were tremendous as well uh, there was a Taichi versus Shingo match of cracker, which I absolutely loved and I thought that was a, a real sort of line in the sand for Taichi where there was just no bullshit it was just like an absolute you know stiffing the shit out of each other strong style brawl between the two of them that was amazing
1: Scampi with a scampi
2: running in it certainly is I was gonna start selling scabby t-shirts I think I've got to capitalize on this somehow yeah uh David give me some macro G1
1: thoughts
3: my favorite pro wrestling time of the year is definitely G1 and specifically uh three nights at Cork uh just I love the atmosphere and I love matches that maybe on paper might not seem like the sexiest that they'll over deliver and then matches that you know you're looking forward to, you know, you know, for, since the since the announcement, um, Dallas was a tremendous time. We talked about that, uh, the finals with Jay White and Ibushi. I mean, Joel, we, we talked about this and and just the once again, this is a perfect. I mean, 2019 might be the year that you didn't get what you wanted, but you're happy that you didn't, right? And when it came to that Naito. Uh, Jay White match where it just you got kicked in the balls right and, and I was very
1: I was very angry yeah I really was very I came on this show and ranted and raved and I was very angry on Twitter but I I mean I, the way it's worked out now I, we don't know the result so that's that's always a, a a dangerous thing I don't know the end result of the Tokyo Dome but as far as what they decide to do and how they decide to do it I I, I can't I mean at the end of the day I have no complaints. Right, as far right. as like the double gold dad, I just I don't have any complaints. And again, so I, I, I was wrong. I will go as far as to say, but I thought that was it for Night though. you know? I, oh, thought yeah. he was, I mean, I thought he was getting eliminated and that was he was going to go fight whoever the fuck uh, Job Moxie or something because he lost him during the G1 at the Dome and that was it. I did not see it wasn't until after the G1 where Kota where started talking about the double title thing where I was like, oh, okay. Like they are doing that. They're doing this weird double title <laughs> thing.
3: But, go. but that, but at that moment, you know, you're, you know, you're thinking, you know, you're, you're rooting for the sports team. You're, 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 you're rooting for the Buffalo Bills at that, at that point, you know. And yeah. um, sorry to use a, a a late 80s, early 90s football analogy, but yeah, uh, you know, you get to the big dance, but you never get in the, the big win, and you don't want to see your guy turn into fucking Hiroki Koto. Um, <laughs> and then you get the, you follow that up with, you know, White, who, you know, nobody wanted to see win. Right. He was the heel of all heels uh, and uh, against the ultimate baby face. Right? right. So, I mean, I don't know what else you want in pro wrestling. You you got that. Uh, and again, Abushi getting the win and everybody, you know, again, no rooting as hard as they could. Uh, like like they were 13 years old again for Abushi to kick the shit out of white who fucked everybody over. So I don't think you can answer anything more in pro wrestling.
1: The the, uh, the, the 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 one of like the memories again I will have from this year was when when Jay White comes out and he has the entire bullet club with him for that final and he turns and he points and there's fucking Kenta who had just gotten finished in one of like the greatest hill turns of all time that we've been talk- we haven't even talked about yet and Kenta walks out with that bullet club shirt behind him and Jay White's like there he I can't do a fucking accent there he is there's Kenta and like, like it's just such a such an outstanding moment. And, like, they come out there, and you're like, well, I hate you even more now because you have this asshole who just, like, killed his best friend. So, yeah, just an outstanding moment. When you're in Joe? the moment – I'm sorry. Oh,
3: no. when in, just one more thought. When you're in the moment, you you wonder, and you question, and you think, what the fuck are they thinking? Why can't – what? And then you get to a, a moment like this where it's like, okay, you got your notes in front of you. You're kind of reviewing the year, and you're like, god damn, that was fucking brilliant.
1: Yeah. I mean, they they pulled it off. They really made the the double gold thing, uh, you know, just gave everything everybody something to root for. So it made it made total sense in hindsight. Joe, your whole macro G one thoughts or the final, whatever else you want to talk about on G one.
0: Well, I'm the real hero of the G one. I'm going to put myself over because on top of doing daily G one audio during the G one, I also did daily all Japan Junior Tag Battle of Glory audio. So show me did, did somebody you hear, who's going to be all over the board like that.
1: Did you hear last week? Um, I guess you probably haven't heard the show, but the miscellaneous pure episode, they shouted you out. Like Gerard was like, uh, yeah, Joe Lanza apparently did audio for that tournament. He's probably the only one on the planet who even watched it. Even Gerard, Mr. All Japan man, hand waved that fucking tournament. To he did not even watch it. So,
0: Not only did I do audio, I did it during the G1 audio, which is enough to yeah. grind. But, uh, but also, number two, I'll put myself over again. It is on tape. You can go back and listen to it. In the flagship immediately following the G1 final, I said that Naito would come out of the double dome with the title. And everybody laughed at me. But the two domes, it was fishy to me. Something smelled about it. I thought they'd have something up their sleeve. And I was the only person on Earth in the universe who was still confident that Tetsuya Naito, spike coming up short in the G1, would come out of those domes holding up that IWGB heavyweight title. So I'm also going to pat myself on the back for that. Uh, some other G1 themes that haven't been brought up yet since I went last. There's not many left, so I will just go quickly. Uh, will Spray, the big scalp over Tanahashi. Huge win, huge moment, even though... Both wrestlers were eliminated at the time of the match. They still put it in Sumo Hall because they wanted to put a spotlight on that moment of Will Ospreay defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi. And also the Ospreay uh, versus uh, Okada match. Oh, my God. Just uh, an incredible match. And and I completely disagree. Dave Meltzer, oh, Ospreay should have won that one. No, 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 no. He got the win over Tanahashi. You saved those other wins. He doesn't have to beat those other guys for years,
1: especially I mean, Okada. Why would you have Osprey's first win over Okada be a Corkin Hall? I didn't. I didn't no understand sense. that at all. It makes yeah. no
0: sense. And now, and now on top of it, if you count the Rev Pro match, which I believe is part of the canon because the two companies are so closely aligned, Okada now has four is four and zero against Osprey. So you're again. You're building up all of this stock for when Willow Spray eventually beats him, the same way you did for Sonata. So it would have been very silly to give Osprey the win in that moment, especially in his first G1, where I don't know how you guys feel. Maybe this is a quick question before we move on. I have no problem with Willow Spray and Shingo, quote unquote, struggling and you know having 500 records or one, you know, going four and five or whatever it was in their first G1. I like the slow progression. I like that these juniors. You know, they got enough big wins to where it was respectable. You know, they didn't need to have winning records and be in the mix at the end. So that's my stance on it. I don't know how the rest of you feel.
1: No, I agree, because Shingo, I mean, Shingo btce. You know, it's not like Shingo didn't get big wins. I mean, Shingo, Shingo got that moment against Naito where, and again, people, I understand that some people don't, I- I'm trying to say it's in a non-condescending way. It, if you don't, if you have like a certain, uh, I guess you always call it when you talk about AEW, like WWE brain, right? You don't understand that like losing a major match like that can be a bigger deal than winning it. But when Shingo's big moment of this tournament was losing to Naito, because that did more for him than, than even beating Naito would have in that moment. Because Naito, you know, he gives him that little that 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 little look where he's like, you you really you gave me everything you had, you hit every every fucking move you could, but I just pulled it out this time but maybe next time you'll get me. And Shingo, like he looks back at him as he's leaving and he gives that little look like, you know, next time I'm going to get you. And that makes it a bigger deal when he does beat Naito. You don't give it away on the first meeting. You don't have Shingo Takagi, you know, in there against to see a Naito and just say, all right, well now Shingo's the hot thing of the month. So obviously now he beats Naito. You, you, you build to that. You make that a big deal when it happens, but nobody, nobody has like a, a brain for this anymore, I guess, because, you know, you're know, you used to those one-month pay-per-view cycles where it's like, okay, well, TLC's over, so nothing that happened uh, means anything anymore. But that's, I you, just, you have I to just, look...
0: John, I just saw so much shit that, like, <laughs> New Japan totally ruined the, the, the elevations of Willow Spray and Shingo by booking them so shitty in the G1. I'm like, what G1 did you watch? Stop yeah. looking at the one-loss records. Look at who they beat. Look at who they lost to, and look at who they faced in the big buildings, which is what really matters. Matters. I don't care what Will Ospreay did against fucking Bad, bad Luck Fale in some fucking village somewhere on a show that, uh, you know, 4,000 people watch. I care about Sumo Hall, and Hall, the focus shows, Osaka, show, and, 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 and that's what matters. And they have time to pick up these wins down the line. So that's just something that annoyed me. Coming out of the G one, and I get it. It's people who parachute in, and basically they watch Wrestle Kingdom and they watch G one. I understand that. That's where a lot of this is coming from. But listen, if I didn't argue against imaginary boogeyman, I wouldn't have a podcast. So <laughs> That's what we do.
1: Yeah, I just it's just really bizarre because like I, I, I Shingo, I don't really know how you could have a complaint. And I I said this too when some people complained about him not getting a. A focus match on russell kingdom which i get it there's two nights and you know you're, you would like to, ideally like to have more people get that focus match but there it's more important to me to see them save the the shingo push to have that like be able to have those big matches and have those big moments and give him those big wins when he's really ready for it and when it's when the promotion is ready for it and i don't think that's right now i mean he's very you know, he hasn't done anything in the back half of the year. So you hold off on that. I mean, you could do, you could have done Shingo Suzuki, sure. But it doesn't mean that, like, you know, Shingo Takagi's fucking buried and they're never going to go back to him again. I mean, I would be shocked if he didn't go on like a, a run in the New Japan Cup this year. So, you know, I think people just need to be a little more patient sometimes. That's which I know. It sounds that's it that's sound funny coming from me, but and especially with the Naito stuff, but like, Nito fans have been patient to a degree and we have been fucked with and hopefully we're finally gonna get what we have been waiting for on January fourth and fifth. But everybody else, I mean look, Shinko Takagi was a junior heavyweight two months ago. He was a, a Dragon Gate wrestler a year ago. I mean, just you gotta you do have to cool your jets a little bit. It's gonna happen. I mean they're not they're not gonna send Shinko Takagi to Yoshihashi Land because he went four and five in the G one. So
3: I do it's patience that we – that look, we're just not – we don't have that mindset, right? And the slow burn that people have uh, – can't appreciate. It's, it's really what it comes down to. This company yeah. does the slow burn, right? There's a progression. There, that, that's why that there's, there, there's secondary titles that actually mean something, right? It's, it's – it, you know, there's a reason there are young lions wearing black tights doing Boston Crabs it all plays into a progression um and again some people maybe don't have the patience for it uh, and some people again maybe they just don't appreciate the slow burn but this is a company that
0: lives and dies by the slow burn
1: yeah I mean you just you can't expect first them to ballot do that anyway.
0: first ballot. First ballot Hall of Famer Gato is not an instant gratification booker. It really has yeah. never been. I mean, yeah. it's very rare that they strap the rocket pack. I mean, they put it on Okada. They put it on AJ Styles. Those are really the only two examples you come up with. Anything else is a slow burn, like Damon is saying. Will Ospreay went the first year and a half in this company doing nothing but tags. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and now look. You know, if you're patient and you wait, generally the right people are going to get pushed. And the timing is gonna be right. We have, you know, plenty of precedent to back that up. So yeah, I agree. People just this isn't a promotion if you're looking for that instant gratification. They're not just gonna flip the switch and push people to the moon overnight. It just doesn't work that way. It's it's it. there's a lot of thought put into it and there's a lot of long term planning put into it.
1: All right. So we're running very long, but let's get through the back half of the year as fast as we can. Uh Royal Quest, I thought it was a really good show. Maybe Okada's best title match of the year, which in a year where most of caught best work was G1 and uh, you know, and G- New Japan Cup. I thought this was him and Suzuki was an f- awesome fucking match. I went four and a half, which it looks like is also what Dave Meltzer gave it. Uh Tanaha Tanahashi and Zach, I love this match. Um, you know, even the girls' destiny off the open was pretty good and uh some good stuff on the undercard. I mean, the only disappointment was Kenta and Ishii just because of the concussion or whatever happened, they were Kenta. But what are you going to do? I still thought this was a really strong show, and again, the UK crowd was great. Uh, Joel, you're originally from the UK, so go go ahead. What do what do you think of the Royal Quest? Anything to add on that?
2: So unfortunately, my enduring memory of this show is going to be editor Dan and his little (laughs) running with Michael Craven outside. So all the batches are going to fall secondary to that. And I think it was just one of those shows where it it was uh, if you were there live in the building, then this is going to be one of your shows of the year. Watching it uh on new japan worlds i maybe some of that appeal is lost because again it was a great match between okada and suzuki but there was no danger of okada losing that title so that does somewhat compromise the dramatic tension of the match for me but uh overall really good show and you know aside from that ishii getting uh uh wait who who is it that got hurt in that match was it was kenta wasn't it yeah Yeah. when kenta got dropped and he was a bit woozy after that but um yeah, aside from that, it was a really good show, and exactly the sort of show that the uh, London fans want. because if you remember last year when they had those kind of sort of jointly promoted shows, they had two nights with RevPro, didn't they? Was it Strong Style Evolved UK or something like that? And they were a big hit, so it was a really good moment, I think, for the UK crowd to finally get a big New Japan show all to their own, and I'm sure they're going to get more in the future. Uh,
1: anyone else want to throw in any thoughts on requests? before I try to quickly move through?
3: I will just say one thing about the piss poor job of Fight TV that I will I will constantly and will always lay the boots to uh, for just a, a terrible production job and, and a disappointment. Yeah. And there were, you know, refunds were a struggle and it was just a nightmare. So um, I. <laughs> that I, I i you know yeah it, 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 there's a certain point where you're at a show where you're just throwing up your hands you'd be like "Ah, oh, fuck it it's a nice beautiful day outside the sun's shining what am i sitting here trying to fight with this goddamn fight tv shit to watch this show i'll watch it later and and you know that's that's what i did so uh that between that the craven situation that we had personally have happened um yeah that was just a weird day to say the least um and uh but upon rewatch, I, I really enjoyed the show. I thought the show was was stellar. I thought, again, that UK crowd really brought it. So uh, that added to the excitement.
1: Joe?
0: God survives again. They beat <laughs> they MVP. They beat uh, and Evil. They beat Aussie Open. They just – every time you thought that they might lose those fucking titles – they survive again, and poor Mark Davis, you know, blows out his knee or whatever a couple weeks later, and Aussie Open misses out on the World Tag League. So I think Aussie Open will be a major factor in, well, as much as a tag team can be a major factor in uh, New Japan <laughs> in 2020, though.
1: So yeah, uh, Destruction Tour. The only the thing that really stands out to me was, first of all, Beppu. I thought all three main events are really good. Uh, you know, I I love Tanashi and Zach again. I would. I was the type that could not get enough of their matches. I loved them all. Uh, I was—I really loved Abushi and Kenta and Kagoshima, which I seemed to be kind of on an island with that match. But I thought that match was like fantastic. Just Kenta's heel work, I thought, was really amazing in that match, and abushi selling, and and I went like four and a half on it. And then Nightone White—I know that that is the what the Joel and John Island <laughs> because you and I adored that match, and like nobody else adored it to that level. But you know, I was like, oh. I gave it four and a half stars. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be like the high one on this. I really loved it. And then you like come on your podcast a day later and like totally overshadow me and giving it five. So I was like, okay, loved it even more than I did. But yeah, so why don't you start then, Joel? Give me the night to night to wait uh,
2: praise. Yeah, I realize I'm probably the only person on the planet who went that high, just because in ring it was fine it was a good match but it was just the character work for me and particularly i just thought this was a tour de force from jay white where i felt this was the perfect synergy between him and his wrestling and his heel work and he was just talking shit to naito the whole way through the match and every single moment and every move was punctuated and accentuated by him doing something or saying something that just made him look like the biggest shithead in the world and just the dynamics between him and Naito were playing off each other brilliantly and you know the, the build had been great and a lot of people said oh this is quite a horny match you know there's a lot of sexual tension there as well and they were all uh, boiled I, over and just this sort of escalation of one-upsmanship it was just just from a character point of view, I think that was just one of the best matches I've ever seen and a tremendous performance from Jay White. I got
1: I got in a lot of trouble on Twitter for saying how horny it was. Apparently, if you point out that two men spitting on each other is uh which is what they were doing, like spitting on each other and smiling in the gif, uh is a little horny, you'll get some guy from the fucking barber's chair net quote tweeting you about how, you know, oh your fucking fan fiction is weird. Okay they are
2: John I'm just yeah, no. I'm describing the image what do you want from me New Japan Pro Wrestling if if you are in denial if anyone is in denial that this is a company that is leaning in heavily leaning into the homoeroticism they've just released a titty book come on <laughs> they have
1: an audience okay of women in Japan that love this shit so i mean if you want to ignore it you can but like, it's clearly there so i don't know what to tell you i'm oh, sorry John. barbers care barbers care net
0: well, those it just tells you that those people watch shitty porn. <laughs> yeah, I
1: guess so. But yeah, um, do you want to, anything on the destruction shows, Joe? I know you always put the pick on destruction and bepu or Bipu as you put it. So I mean, it, me your...
0: this tour, I had two matches entire tour hit my notebook, and neither one of them are, you know, exactly sniffing match of the year. But I will say that this was smack dab in the middle of the Birds of Prey versus Phantasmo and Ishimori feud. They had four matches over the course of the year, and uh, to me, this was the best tag team feud of the year in New Japan and, and and produced the best tag team matches all year long in the company. Mostly because Girls of Destiny were eating up the heavyweight division. But, uh, but yeah, that's really the only notable. The only other notebook match I had on the whole tour was Goto Shingo so yeah. um i did not you time. know uh like that match all that much and i, I this torch didn't do nothing for me
2: if part, possibly the, oh, can we give uh, a hat the... to him as well The sorry the rise of carl fredericks because he won the new japan cup uh sorry not the new japan got the uh <laughs> the young, young lions, lions cup in the yeah. tour, he? Yeah. that's a good shout um, right there i it? mean you know yeah
0: that- that guy's gonna be a fucking megastar, and I'm glad that those guys got a little spot on the Tokyo Dome because they worked their asses off this year. Not just Fredericks, but all of them. Remember, they got you know thrown on to that new beginning in USA tour that was a disaster, and they worked some Ring of Honor early in the year, and they worked hard on this tour. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, that's I'm glad you brought that up because I totally would have forgot about it.
1: And Naito, Naito White was possibly the only Naito, well, not even possibly, the only major Naito match of the year where I was rooting against Naito. Because <laughs> I knew that, like, if he loses that match and loses the IC title, then they're, they're definitely doing that double gold shit, and he's going to face White on 1-4. And then the, the best part of this, by the way, were the, the WWE concern troll takes. If you look at Twitter, where, like, they would go, oh, Naito, he just lost the IC toe to Jay White. He should come to WWE and have a run as the U.S. champion. He has to get out of New Japan. Meanwhile, any Naito fan with a brain, which is pretty much all the Naito fans that I follow, were like throwing a parade because we all figured out by this point that the double title thing was happening and him losing means they're doing the rematch at Wrestle Kingdom. The time to do your fucking concern troll tweets was last month at the G1. When he lost to Jay White, that was the time to do them. But these people pay so little attention that they thought the time to do it was here. And basically, we all just laughed at them because it's like, yeah, we this, this is, no one. There are no actual sad Naito fans now. We know that he's going to the dome against Jay. Like we figured this out. It's it's fine. But no, uh, the anti-crack account was trying to set us straight on Tetsuya Naito. Had so this sound. is what.
0: It's- So this is what it's like to be on the other end of these rants. This is, I I get it. I feel like Um, French.
1: Fighting Spirit Unleashed, I just want to mention very quickly. uh, Damon, you went to all three shows. I went to two of them in New York and Boston. Great atmospheres, great crowds. Everybody was having a great time, especially, uh, well, in New York once the show actually started, they were having a great time. Not before that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, not a ton new, no newsworthy, really, but just, I mean, if that's the model, I mean, I would go to those New York and Philly shows a million times out. I know some people uh, were disappointed by the level of card or whatever, but like, if they would come to New York and do, like, this, like a and type show like that, or I, I think I even like the Philly show more than the New York show, honestly, with the elimination match, because I'm a mark for those elimination matches, but like, I would go to those every time. I mean, they could, if they, if they ran uh, the fucking Hammerstein monthly, I would go every month. So, you know, yeah, that's they're, the, the they're level, all good. Would,
3: all yeah. good news. Um, again, just quick. They, they were fast. You know, they kind of felt like you were in and you were out. There was no lollygag. There was no, I mean, look, we had the Hammerstein fiasco that for the, for the start, and the fire trucks and the, all, all that nonsense, the ambulances. And we needed two of them and whatever. We're an hour late in and, you know my edibles are wearing off, and you know I, you know what, are, what, are, what are we doing here, right? Uh, I thought Lowell was uh, my favorite of the three. I enjoyed that one the most. Uh, again, that that somebody had to take the fall, and I just was just again I can't get over it. But Naito taking the fall clean as a sheet in the middle of the ring uh, was 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 jarring uh, in Lowell in that in that. Tag match. Um, I'm, ex-
1: I'm expect aren't you expecting them to like like six months from now, uh, like Nitro will be standing there maybe as champion and Tanahash will walk up and he'll be like, Remember, I pinned you in Massachusetts in September. <laughs> I didn't expect them to do that.
3: Right, right. Uh, I mean they would. But um, again, it was it was look, I, I and I, I, I don't want to sit here in circle jerk, but New Japan fans, man, I, 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 they're, they're just some of the most knowledgeable and fun, and they know all the spots and they know when to cheer and they know when to pull back. And like, I really just enjoy going to those type of shows. Um, again, I like the Lowell one the, one the best, um, the Massachusetts one. The the Hammerstein one was good, but again, you weren't getting out of there till pretty late. So it felt like a real long day. And then the next day was a four o'clock show. And I, I felt like I was in, I was on my couch by nine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I, I can't complain about that at all. Um, and I, and I enjoyed the shows. I thought the matches were good. Again, nothing blow away, but I, I, I think if they, if they made these shows, just like you said, if, they, if these shows were what we are getting for this, uh, you know, this new Japan pro wrestling territory thing, uh, I'm down. I, I think, I think they're enjoyable shows. Uh, yeah.
2: I was 81. just about to say that David, I think these shows are proof of concept for the new Japan pro wrestling of America, where they're smaller shows, uh, smaller venues, but hot crowds, fun shows. And I think that's the, the way forward in 2020.
1: Yep. Uh, King of pro wrestling. You uh, can start with you, Joe, since you didn't talk about the things for it and um, I thought this was a really good show. Um, not maybe to the level of some. I, actually, no. I thought everything on this show was really good. It's one of these shows, I'm forgetting how good it was until I look at the card. I mean, I, some people really hate the Suzuki Liger match, but and I get because like it, I get why because it was like such a violent build, and then they did, you know, not you know they they, they kind of just grappled. But I thought that match was awesome, uh, especially if you divorce it from the build. Um, you know, Archer and Robin Juice had like a fun little wild brawl. Uh I, I liked both the double main event, uh that Okada Sonata match gets ma- got getting match of the year in the Tokyo Sports Awards was a, a shock, but apparently that's because as much about like the fact that they were recovering from that tsunami is more than anything. Like I guess they felt like it uh you know, was a great way to like come back from the tsunami. But yeah, uh Joe, what'd you think of the King of Pro Wrestling?
0: Yeah, the the G their G one match was their best match, in my opinion. Okada and uh, and Sonata, but uh, Camperus. I mean the 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 Suzuki Liger. I didn't I didn't hate it. It just wasn't what I was expecting or wanting, so it was kind of disappointing from that perspective. I thought Willow Spray Fantasma was fantastic and the best match of the night. Uh, that was the show where Lance Archer stepped in from Moxley and and then actually won the title. So who knows what's going on with these two dome shows? It's definitely not where they want it to be at this point, but. It's where they are. We'll see who comes out of it with the title. And yeah, I thought it was a a camp uh, pro wrestling was a a good show, but I don't think it you know it, it it wasn't one of the best shows of the year. That's for sure. I liked Wrestle Kingdom better. I liked the uh, Dominion better. I like MSG better. So there were a number of shows I thought were better than this, but it was all right.
1: Um, the, the 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 Archer stepping up thing. It did lead to like a great line from Moxie when he came back the next month, where he was like, you know, you didn't beat me for that title. Delta Airlines beat me for that title. Yeah. But I just thought that was a fantastic line. I'm sure he came up with that himself. But uh, yeah. anyway, so Joel, anything to add about
2: the King of Pro Wrestling as we run very long here? Uh, yeah, it was just nice to see El Desperado make his comeback. And I did mention it when we were talking about Best of the Super yeah. Juniors, but I think he was a big miss from that because if you think of all the matches that we missed out on because of that injury with the uh but it Jin- <laughs> he ended up breaking his jaw. So it was really nice to see him come back. And uh, I also I quite enjoyed the Osprey El Fantasma match. If you'd have told me that there was going to be a 28 minute long ELP match on this show, the fifth uh, the fifth match, I would have probably imagined I'd hate it. But I thought this was really well done. It was uh, it's kind of match where you if you turn your brain off and just enjoy it for the fun that it is, then I thought it was really good. And this was also coming off the back of El Fantasmo winning the Super J Cup, which uh, is worth pointing out too.
1: Damon King of Pro Wrestling. Yeah, King of
3: Pro Wrestling. Uh, you know, again for me, Liger Suzuki, and I thought Liger Suzuki was one of the most enjoyable aspects of 2019. Um, the, the idea of two guys that you know are in their fifties are not just going through the motions and actually having, arguably at the time, the, the best feud uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling um, for that for for this year for 2019. Did um, the, the, the match? play out the way that I think people not only wanted, but thought it would being that we're, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're in blood feud territory. Mm, Maybe not, but uh, you know, I'd like the fact, look, again, we're talking about visuals and snapshots that we're going to take to our grave. Suzuki bowing (laughs) to Liger, that might be one of them. Right. Um, So yeah, I mean, again, for me, that, that feud and, and, and the way that we got to this point it was great the match uh, maybe it wasn't everything that we wanted but uh, i still thought it had some pretty great moments
2: oh all right, right, right that's uh, gonna be struggle. like his we final all- singles
1: match <laughs> yeah that, that i guess well i guess it will be yeah wow um power struggle which we already talked about the super dream tag league and you know again we're short on time here uh power struggle to me is like the the sneaky good show every year now we're like I'm, I'm not always super hyped for it, but by the time we get there, it's just there's always stuff on it. Really, I really like uh, in this case. I love Naito and Taichi. I thought they had like a, a really great, like 13 minute condensed version of their uh, previous series. Uh, Kenta Ishii was really good. Uh, Osprey and Bushi, which you know, all these matches will Osprey had this year that I think people are gonna have high, rated higher than me. I thought this was fucking uh, one of the low key awesome matches he had. I went like four and a half stars on it. like... I thought Bushi, you know, he doesn't get a chance to show it a lot, really stepped up here. And they just had a really awesome match for the junior title. And then obviously the Hiromu return at the end was just so fucking cool. Uh, and then White and Gate, White and Goto, um, not not as high on, you know, probably like three and a half. But like, and if, and if that match had been like, you know, like a really outstanding match, it could have been like a real, you know, top level show of the year contender. But overall, I still thought it was a good show. And I put it above kick Pro Wrestling which always seems to happen for me, honestly. Uh, Joe, I guess, do you have any power struggle thoughts?
0: Nah, yeah, I, I, liked King of Pro Wrestling better. Um, but, but Will Ospreay Bushi was awesome. Um, Hiroki Goto though, I thought he had his worst year in a long time and I am an unabashed Goto fan and defender. Um, just a lot of his big stuff just did not land for me. And, um, this match was among them. This match against White. So I didn't love this show. I'm glad that Kenta and Ishii had a chance to make up for the the, uh, the concussion though, and uh, and go out there and have a solid match.
1: Yeah, the Go Go to did have a weird year. I thought all of his like his best stuff. I really liked the Naito match and the G1, but not a ton of people seemed to agree with me. And uh, God, what else was his best stuff? There's not not a ton of I and mean, the Shingo. There's not much.
0: There's just yeah, not the two much.
1: the two Shingo matches, the G1 match, yeah. and the Destruction match. But, yeah, I mean, he did he did have kind of a quiet year finally. But we'll see. But he's starting out 2020 really big, so we'll see how it, that goes with Kenta. Uh, David or Joel, any power struggle thoughts?
3: Hey, I just think that it's – you know, Goto is one of those guys, and we can, again, probably spend an hour talking just about Goto. He's just one of those guys that, you know, when you start putting faith in the fact that he's going to deliver on a consistent basis, he comes out and he just – I wouldn't necessarily say throws a stinker but just throws one of those matches where you're just like oh come on what are you what are, you, what are we doing here um and and it happens 2019 that felt like it happened more than um where, where you were jumping out of your chair for a godo match um and that might be age and that might be injuries and that just might be a lot of dings on uh, on the chassis but it's you know, it's becoming a little bit more self-evident as the years go on that you might not always You know, you, you're going to get that time where where you you know you're not going to pay attention, and he's going to overdeliver, and then you're going to get that time where you're really invested, and you're like, uh oh, what the fuck." So that's Goto for me.
2: Uh, Joel, anything
1: to add?
2: Yeah, I just want to throw some more flowers at the Super Junior Tag League, which was uh, came to a head at Power Struggle. I just really like the way we had four good teams jockeying for for the top swap with Birds of Prey, El Phantasma Ishimori, Rapongi 3K and Kanemaru Desperado and all the stuff between those guys are really good and I also want to give some credit to New Japan for booking a clear winner and having a two versus two tag title match not just for this but also for the heavyweight tag title match which is something a lot of us were not expecting after last year's three-way shenanigans so well done New Japan for giving us simple tag title matches.
1: Uh, I'm skipping right over showdown in San Jose and LA. I didn't see the LA show. San Jose show was fine. Nothing like super crazy, but I, I did enjoy it. Uh, the World Tag League, again, I think we can skip right over that. But the finals were good. Uh, I really liked Juice and uh, Finley and against Evil and Sonata. That was a really good match. So definitely check that out if you missed it. Uh, the Road to Tokyo Dome. I was curious, Joe, you, so you said you didn't really care for these three shows at Corkin I thought these were like All really fun shows, but I think you saw on Twitter you had a hard time getting into it.
0: I don't know. They didn't really do anything for me. Um, I saw some people raving about the one Ishii tag and, uh, you know, obviously the Liger stuff. I I enjoyed that, but I don't know. It just felt like a a big blob of tag matches that I didn't care about. I think at this point, I'm just, you know, after World Tag League and trying to get through that, it's like I'm just burnt out and I'm ready for the Dome and none of this connected with me at all. Hmm.
1: I don't know. I, I enjoyed this, these shows a lot, especially the the first and the third. I thought were the best two. The second one maybe more skippable if you're really short on time. But I did like these shows quite a bit. Uh, Damon or Joe? Any quick Road to Tokyo Dome thoughts?
3: I mean, these shows were about Liger for me, and and you know just the last matches there, and in, in and even those matches were just you know it's the second the second match in a, in, a, in a in a tag, and he did main event the last one and. But even even then, you know, he made sure he ate that rainmaker and got the fuck out of the ring. And he there was no (laughs) celebration. There was no nothing. He knew he had literally and figuratively a job to do. And whoop to the back he went so he can make room for the post match match angle. Which again, it tip classic liger, right? Classic liger, just making making you know doing what he has to do. Get out of the ring so that the you know we can build toward a Wrestle Kingdom main event. So uh, once again, hats off to him,
2: uh,
1: Joel. Anything to add?
2: Yeah, just a couple of things. One World Tag League I thought gave us two really great moments. One that Suzuki Gun uh, the into Suzuki Gun match yes, with that uh, was dangerous awesome. Techers against Suzuki and Archer. So that was tremendous. One of the uh, definitely tag highlights of the year. And also, like you said, that. You know, that heartwarming feel good moment in the final where everyone came down to celebrate with uh, juice and Finley at the end. So, I think this is uh, understated. You know, last year there wasn't really anything memorable from World Tag League, but this year having two moments that you can hang your hat on, I think, is worth celebrating. And uh, I can't remember which show was it where Ibushi finally snapped and absolutely twatted Carter in the head with a briefcase. Was, was that the road two shows or was, was that before?
1: A, then? No, it was one of the World Tag League shows, not even the final. I think, oh well, no, I think it was the final. Yeah, it was the one tag league towards the, right, the final yeah. or right towards the end.
2: Yeah, So that I think that was good as well because Ibushi kind of got lost in the shuffle a bit with a build to the double goal dash. But here he's just like finally had enough of Carter's bullshit and just like, ah, take that, you bastard. And now, now he's, Lender- he's, he's fired up and a more interested
1: it led to an underrated moment, too, at the at the Corican shows where Jay White like is like, oh, you want to be bad, huh? Let's come to Bullet Club and tries to recruit him. And Ibushi, like totally blows him off in the ring and then goes backstage and totally buries the Bullet Club where he's like, are the, the Bullet Club supposed to His exact words are like, are the Bullet Club supposed to be heels? Uh, I could be a way bigger heel than them if I wanted to, but I'm not going to do it. So like he just totally fucking buries them and blows them off, which I thought was so funny. But there you go. Uh, but yeah, that's the you're a review, I guess. Okay, really quickly, you guys are going to do previews on your own shows. But let's just—I just, just want to get an answer from all three of you. What is the January fifth main event, and who wins it? I, I think we're all probably in agreement on who wins it. But I want to see Joe.
0: Yeah, night to over Okada.
1: Joel. Yeah, agree. Damon,
3: uh, make it three for three. Yep, I think that's what we've been and, building for for over a year. So uh, here's here's your payoff, Lij fans.
1: I, I agree. I think it's Enter Okada. So there you go. Uh, we, the awards. I don't know if we have enough time. I'm gonna say, what do you? I guess we could do like a executive decision on the air here. I'm gonna say read them off very quickly, but we cannot really describe anything. So uh, my match of the year, I have Sonata Okada in fifth from the G1. Uh, Ibushi, Naito, in the New Japan Cup in fourth. Okada, Sonata from the New Japan Cup final in third. Ibushi, Naito for the Intercontinental Dominion in second. And my New Japan match of the year and my uh, overall number two, Naito versus Shingo from the G1 on August 4th. Joe, very quickly, your top five.
0: Okay, five, Okada and Will from the G1. Four, Sonata and Okada from the G1. Three, Naito and Shingo from the G1. Two, Shingo and Dragon Lee from the best of the Super Juniors. And number one, and my number one overall, Will and Shingo from best of the Super Juniors.
2: Joel? Number five, I got Okada versus White from Wrestle Kingdom, Naito versus White Destruction, Ibushi versus White in the G1 final, Shingo Osprey, best of the Super Juniors final, and then Omega Tanahashi is my number one for Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, Damon?
3: I went five, uh, Tana and Omega from Wrestle Kingdom. Four was Abushi White, the G1 final. Three was Shingo and Ishii from G1 Night 16. Uh, my second place was Okada versus Will from G1 Night 7. And my number one match of the year was Will Shingo, Best of the Super Junior Final.
1: Uh, best Major Show. I went Power Struggle in third. Uh, I, I said I really liked that show. The Best of Super Junior Finals from June 5th of Sumo Hall in number two. And my number one was the G1 Climax Finals. I just thought between... I just we came to descriptions. Between the King to turn and the main event, I that that show will stand out to me forever and Suzuki pinning or Zach, yeah, Suzuki pinning Okada. So, I thought that was my the my little surprise my best major show pick there. Joe. Uh,
0: Wrestle Kingdom 1 MSG2 Dominion 3.
1: Okay, very chocolate. Damon
0: I went uh, MSG 3, uh, Best
3: of the Super Junior Finals 2, and Wrestle Kingdom number 1.
2: And Joel? Yeah, exactly the same as David. So MSG, okay. Best of the Super Junior's final, Wrestle Kingdom 13.
1: Uh, best Feud, I went Naito White in third, Minoru Suzuki and Jushin Liger in second, and Naito Ibushi in first. What did you go with here, Joe?
0: I didn't do my homework, apparently, on this one because I don't have a okay. list. I must have missed that one. So skip right yeah. over me.
1: Okay. Damon?
0: Yep.
3: Um, I was at Toss-Up. I was uh, struggling for my third. So uh, pick one or the two. I went Mox Juice and Abushi Naito. We could flip-flop either one of those depending upon what day it is. Uh, second was White Naito. And my number one, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great for two 50-year-old guys duking it out, Flyger Suzuki.
2: Joe? Third place, I've got the little four-way feud with Eagles, Osprey, El Phantasmo, and Ishimori. Second place, Night White. And first place, Ishii and Taichi. Uh, tag team of the year.
1: I <laughs> had a hard time with this one. Uh, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. in third, uh, just off their fucking World Tag League run. I don't care. I enjoyed it a l- an awful lot, so whatever. Uh, and this wasn't a strong year for tag teams. Second, I went with Desperado and Kanamaru. Again, I like their stuff a lot in the early part and the closing part, even though Destroy was hurt. And I just kind of gave it to our Punky 3K in first by default, so there you go. Uh, Joe? Uh,
0: My tag team of the year is Birds of Prey. Number two is Phantasmo and Ishimori. And number three is Bushi and Shingo.
1: Damon?
3: Yeah, I feel bad because I didn't have uh, Bushi and Shingo, and, and the more that we talk about it, I wish we did, but I went uh, Ishimori and El Phantasmo for third. I actually went G.O.D. for second. I thought they had a decent year, probably better than most years, So and, and they're social. I know we're not supposed to talk about why, but I went G.O.D. too. Uh, and three, Rapungi 3K.
1: Okay. Oh, you mean one, Rapungi 3K?
3: One, correct. Yeah, they're, okay. they're my tag. year.
2: Joe? Yeah, I didn't pick Birds of Prey or Dangerous Tekkers or Bushi Shingo because just they weren't there for the whole year. So I've gone third, Despi and Kanemaru. Second, ELP, Ishimori, and first, Rapogi 3K. All
1: right, so most outstanding wrestler uh, in ring only. I went with uh, Kota Ibushi in third, Tetsuya Naito in second, and Shingo Takagi in first for my favorite most outstanding in ring wrestler. Joe? Uh,
0: number one is Will Ospreay. Number two is Shingo. And number three is Okada
1: uh Damon
3: I went exactly in that order. Will Shingo, Okada who it hasn't even hit his peak yet and people are writing him off. Okada is on that
2: list. Joe I've got Osprey 1, Shingo 2 and Ishii 3. All right. And then for
1: wrestler of the year, I went this is supposed to be like MVP quality. I went with Okada third, Naito second, and Kota Ibushi in first. Uh, Joel, go ahead.
0: Yeah, I've got Okada first. Uh, Joe or Joel?
1: Joe. Joe, Sorry, I'm going in the same order every time.
0: All right, so I've got Okada number one, Naito number two, and Willow Spray number three.
1: Joel? Or Damon, I guess, actually. Either one, who cares? Okay, Joe.
2: I've got uh, Ibushi number three, Naito number two, and Jay White number one. David?
3: Yep. Uh, I went uh, Okada number one, Jay White number two, um, and Naito number three.
1: All right. So I think this is where we're going to have to break uh, my listeners' hearts a little bit. I don't think we have enough time to get into the mailbag. Uh, I I should let you guys go at some point here. So, uh, let's start some plugs. I know, first of all, Joe, you have a Patreon to plug, so please go ahead and do that.
0: Yeah. Voice of the wrestling Patreon. Uh, if for some reason you, uh, you are starving for bonus content from the voice of the wrestling flagship, we offer that there's three price tiers, $1, $2. And what I recommend, it'll get you everything we've ever done or ever will do The $5 tier. So that's the Patreon. We've got the new Japan, uh, 2019 year in review book coming out on January 2nd, I believe. Uh, so keep your eye out for that. And, um, yeah, listen to the flagship every week as well. Three hours, Rich Creach and I, breaking down the entire world of wrestling.
1: I do want to say, please, please read the profiles. If you get the get the ebook, obviously, and please read the profiles. I spend a lot of time writing them, so I very much appreciate it if uh, if you could check those profiles out. Uh, Damon or Joel, go ahead and plug your little podcast. I know you have a big guest coming up.
2: Or either David, you, you go ahead. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. man.
3: Please, please. What do, am what, what do I plugging? What are we doing? What?
2: We've got a big <laughs> interview coming up tomorrow morning or t- ah, tomorrow evening yeah. for you.
3: We do. Uh, so, tomorrow we'll be uh, joined once again by the great Kevin Kelly. Uh, we'll talk about the year that was very similar to what we did here. Um, and we'll just talk about uh, his time in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, this will be like the third time he's come on our show, so it's almost become an annual thing. So, look forward to hearing that on the Super J Cast. And again, Super J Cast, we do that New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, centric podcast on this very Voices of uh, Wrestling podcasting network
2: yes Damon. we've got to be clear about that it's a new japan pro wrestling podcast and our year end awards are all about new japan pro wrestling because some right. people have found that confusing right right that's that okay. we have clarity to that get,
1: you guys get the dumbest fucking dunks oh. i swear to god i feel like i get dumb dunks and then i look at your uh your fucking mention sometimes and this guy is yelling at you for only having new japan oh my god it's something
3: it's unbelievable um so if you want some dumb dunks by all the means i think we're at the <laughs> J-Cast. uh by all means we'll, 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 we'll take those actually joel will because i have nothing to do with it very little to do with it i, I can't be bothered with uh, i don't know how you people put up with it um and we do a show every week so uh listen in super J cast uh we don't have a patreon um you can donate via the Red Circle, is it? I don't know, Joe. Come on, I told you you're better. Buy a T-shirt. You can do all that fucking of fun stuff. Just go listen to us. We'll give you all
1: that shit. Yeah, you can donate to this show as well, by the way, Red Circle. I never I never remember to plug that, but thank you for mentioning it. All right, folks. Uh, that will wrap it up. We went over three hours. I'm very sorry if you submitted a question, but we didn't get to it. It just, you know, we had a lot to cover. Um, next week, as far as Wrestling on Mikaze, starting out the 2020 season, uh, we are going to do. As of now, this is the plan. I still have to figure out how the fuck to do it as far as the the YouTube stream now. But the plan right now is we are going to go live on January fourth, directly after the Wrestle Kingdom show is over. We're going to go live again on January fifth, directly after the Wrestle Kingdom show is over. You can be able to listen live on YouTube uh, if you want. If you just finished watching, you, you finished staying up all night like a maniac, and you want some takes right away. We're going to be live both nights, and then obviously we'll combine it into one episode, and you can download it later to get our uh, Wrestle Kingdom takes. But that's the plan, live coverage, Wrestle Kingdom live stream. Uh, we have Chris Samsa on, who does the great stats and everything. Uh, he's going to be on for the first time next week on both shows. Uh, Paul Vost, who was on last week, who's great. Uh, he's going to be on both shows. Uh, Tyler from Voices of Wrestling, who's also on the Super Jcast server. He's going to be on the January 4th. And Gerard, he said, he's going to come on January 5th only if Naito wins. So he does not want to be there to hear me cry, I guess, if, uh, if Naito doesn't win. So that's the plan for next week. Uh, We're we'll going to see you after Wrestle Kingdom both nights. So make sure you follow the Twitter account at Uh Wrestling, of course, did not fit. And don't forget to check that. We'll, we'll go right up on there with the live stream. So that's how you can follow it live at Omakase. It'll go up right away. Until then, folks, thank you as always for listening. Thank you, if you're a guest, for coming on in 2019, and we will see you next time.